Want to show off your patriotism and love for firearms? You need to check out Goat Guns. Our authentic die-cast miniature gun replicas are a great way to celebrate your rights while adding a unique and high-quality item to your collection. They are fun to build and make a great display addition to your office, man cave, or anywhere you want to show off your collection. Start your collection today at GoatGuns.com. This is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Beto. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And lads, Ash Rev Joe's in the books. 2019's in the books. It's a it's a fantastic new year and we left the people on tenterhooks at the end of Ash Rev Joe. So I think there's only one thing that people want to know, Joe. Uh, did you get your new washing machine sorted or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it was delivered the morning after we recorded. Um, oh, oh, good. Okay. Yeah, so I woke up and there was a new washing machine that had all been installed and there was a big wash on. So <laughs> I was very happy. Finally, the saga of the washing machine and the wars with Samsung is finally <laughs> over. So that was two and a half months I went without a washing machine. Wow. Thank you to JP in the meantime for doing a lot of my washing. Oh, yeah. Um, whilst recording this show. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think that's how we talked you into doing the BWE best of 2019, didn't we? Because you could come back to your washing JPs and slag off yeah. for a pro in progress. Yeah, yeah, that was that was absolutely correct. The opportunity to do it a bash it on progress and uh, you know take on those Rev Pro correspondency duties and do a wash <laughs> at the same time. Now, some clean underpants. I was on the B pants at that point in time, Oof. and you know those ones that sit in the drawer for a long yeah. time. And oh yeah, desperation pants. Yeah, and you know back in the student days, I'd use them a lot because I was lazy. But in more recent times, yeah, no. you know, you want comfort. You want the nice ones. On. Exactly. And I, yeah. I was back on them B ones with like Simpsons characters on there. Like, <laughs> like 15 years. Like JP's boxes he had a carrot that year. <laughs> when a suitcase got stolen. They're gone. Yeah. Don't worry. They've been, they've been exercised from yeah. my flat. You've got to have like B, B ones though. Like I've, uh, I've got a washer dryer. So it kind of, I've got like older ones that have been a bit stretched out from the dryer. So I don't tend to wear them. Like when I, when, me, when I first started seeing my girlfriend, like, I was I had like brand new as the George boxes that I was wearing all the time, and she did note like six months in, she was like, "Hmm, kind of noticed you've started like what's with like these really baggy kind of hole ridden <laughs> boxes that you started to wear." Like, yeah, that they're the B boxes. That's when it's yeah. when you can't be bothered with a wash. That's that's when you know you're comfortable with someone. I reckon, JP. That's it. That's when you're, uh, that's you've when given you're up then, haven't you? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> How's you, anyway, JP? Have you any washing machine tails, dishwasher tails, any? I I, well, I had to switch off the dishwasher a second ago because it was making a bit too much noise coming oh, through here. Did you have some uh, right. dishes in there that needed washing from a from a slap up meal that maybe you made today? That I maybe I did. People more want to hear about. <laughs> I lived up to my end of the bargain, which was to do Joe a roast dinner <laughs> on January fifth, mm. um, which I did. There were six of us here, so there was oh. me, there was my two lads. I had to cook it for. There was there was Joe. Uh, his brother Sam and our mate Nick mm. and we were yeah so cooked a roast for six but I'll let Joe do the review what he made of it <laughs> oh, well, you're glowing and beaming right now aren't you you know deservedly so after a fantastic meal I've got to say you know wow. JP has uh, won me over with the uh, one of the best roast dinners I think I'll ever eat an excellent excellent job Thank honestly you. when i walked in he had his grapple apron on uh, <laughs> what i got what grapple apron which you can find on the yeah, you got the hoodie mate i get the ape you can get him on the grapple big cartel store <laughs> sometimes. Oh, right, okay. you know? 
Um, so yeah, JP in his grapple apron, looking the part. He was basting his carrots in some sort of honey glaze. I was thinking, he is up for this. This is a big day for him. <laughs> like, he's seen that this is the main event. Like, throughout the year, I've like, come around to JP's, have a bit of dinner, always fine. Always, um, to quote JP, does a job. Yeah. Um, but this was on a different level. Uh, it was like you were doing your best. It was like your Wrestle Kingdom at dinners, this, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. You might say, yeah, very much my Tetsuya Naito moment. This yeah, one, to yeah. foreshadow what we speak about in a bit. And it was a great birthday. I don't know my birthday was yesterday, but it was a fantastic uh, post-birthday dinner, let's say, made by a fantastic <laughs> chef. Honestly, if I was giving it a rating on the Grapple app, I'd probably go a good four, possibly four point two five. I think. Do you know where I give, if I? Do you know where I could get give it a four point two five? In uh, roast circles, that's like like top level Yarno matches, isn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah, I've only given yeah. me mums four and a half, you know, so it's pretty good. I wouldn't go four and up. I think it was just what I tell you what the the beef. I, I haven't had roast beef in about fifteen years. I never liked it as a kid. It was excellent, really well cooked, really juicy. I was like, this is fucking good. Good like edge on that as mm. well. Uh, the gravy, I was like. I wish I had more gravy. It was really yeah, good. Yeah, so did Just I. Would have liked a little bit more. Um, the Yorkshire puddings, really, uh, yeah, really good flavour in them. Was enjoying them as well. Good roast potatoes, good amount as well. I think I would have liked a few more carrots. Yeah, yeah, that was another thing as well. Because those carrots were some of the best carrots. Of, if you know, if I was writing, I kind of, I'll be honest, I hadn't expected to cook for six at that one stage. Yeah, <laughs> fair play, fair play. But the carrots were bloody good. And I'd like a little bit more gravy, which maybe, you know, is yeah. the difference between that quarter of a star, possibly. But, yeah, if I was rating roast on the grapple app, this would be a good, solid Is that rating. the equivalent of a kind of dull opening five minutes or something? <laughs> possibly, yeah. yeah. New yeah. Japan main event style. <laughs> yeah, or, or, roast or, as New Japan mains. Or it's one of those wrestlers who's on the, on the up and come, and, uh, you know, they managed to get to that 4.25 level, which is what you've done today, baby. Thank you. How, how happy are you with this meal? Um, I was very happy with it because I, I had like spent the morning. And also, the other thing as well is I couldn't start watching the show, which, you know, as we'll get on to about it, there were some issues about that. So I ended up watching a lot of cricket this morning while I was getting stuff ready. Mm. So I'd, I'd kind of base, I'd put a, a, cricket a, and a mustard roast sauce cricket and, a roast and I'd basted yeah. the beef <laughs> in that. Did you go to cricket church as well, JP? And then sandwich. fried it in some goose fat as well to try and give it a bit more of an edge on the oh, outside. Oh, mate, it was, it was glorious. It really, really was good. And the kids liked it as well, didn't they? Maris Piper potatoes for a roast are always J- good. JP's kid said it was the best dinner he's ever cooked them. Oh, my best God. Best he, it's the best dinner. Really? Yeah, it's the best This makes me sound cooked. like some sort of fucking deadbeat, like I don't make an effort. <laughs> nah, mate, you were coming out for the big occasion. You you were living it up... makes me sound more like a Nakanishi, frankly, mate, doesn't you're a, it? you're a big match player. That's what okay. it says here. You can live up to the uh, big occasion. Wrestle, Wrestle Kingdom weekend, Joe's <laughs> birthday weekend. Happy birthday for yesterday, by the way, Joe. Like, it's a big occasion. Yes. You've got to go, you 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 come up. You, I think that's well, this is where you want to... Pee, you need it, to right? experience it next, don't you? I'm off the road. Anytime. Good. I can't see. That's it. You guys are having like a lovely roast, but you know, I'm in Greg's, waiting for a vegan steak cake. That was that was my that was my. Uh, oh no, that was January. That was actually yesterday. That was uh, that was the fourth. But yeah, that that was my that was the best meal I had this weekend. Jesus, big crowd. Down there. In there. 
take yeah. taking the same piss break while Farley was on. That's it, mate. It was just full of people who just didn't want to watch a big Farley, uh, uh, <laughs> a bad left Farley match. It was uh, it was tough to get to the front, and they were all uh, all there queuing up for the vegan steak bake. So I had to I had to wait my turn. But yeah. in Kirkdale, <laughs> no, this yeah. was in uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, it is. It is te- technically maybe more Anfield way. I went to the nice Greg. That's the thing, and you I at the time because there was like the nice Gregs. There was well, you know, there's like a really there's a shoddy one on County Road that's like. You know, it's quite small. And, yeah, that one, yeah. And then this is like the bigger, nicer one that I've saved for the next time you visit. We can go there. But I knew okay. ba- Bad Luck Farley was in the ring. I think that was following like some other shite multi-man tag. I knew I had time to just go out there and have a, have a proper breakfast. I think it, uh, it definitely set me up for the weekend properly, although a roast would have been better. All I'll say is you were looking at people behind that counter in their Greg's aprons, whereas I was looking at JP in his grapple apron. It was a much prettier sight. <laughs> We need to get working on what Gareth said, Greggle, the uh, the rating uh, act for Greggs. Maybe that could be the uh, the next uh, step. Oh, rating Greg's stores <laughs> as an overall like kind yeah, of experience. You know, they're not all the same, are they? You know, so, some have certain things that others don't. Some are nicer than others. I definitely could. They could be. Uh, could be much. that plus a roast dinner rating app. I think that's the obvious tie-in. To be honest, if we're starting something like that. Yeah, gotcha. Well, we need to get on this. We need to delete this bit from the show so nobody else steals this idea. That's the problem. But we're going to leave it in, so fuck go. it. Uh, Gre- uh, Greg's and roast dinner ratings. We can get our, our T-shirt line going. There's money in this, JP. Yeah, there, God, yeah, there is. Uh, there better be, and maybe we could be in Japan doing a live show over there next year. That's it. Oh, that yeah. should be the aim. Oh, good to have been seeing like the likes of Martin's uh, photos out there, Martin Bushby and the likes of John away and that all out there living their lives. This, this this was the year I wish I'd gone, of, with it being like the weekend and the beginning. I know, you know, we're going to get into the, the two shows, the fact that maybe they diluted it a little bit because of that. Maybe not even a little bit, probably more than a little bit. But as far as like a big weekend to go, like say, a lot of people like WH out there, WH Park showing people around. It felt like the year to go. I'm a little bit, uh, little bit sad I didn't mm. do it. Looks amazing out there, though. It does. I I, I looked at uh, what Martin was up to, just with a with a sense of real envy because he just looked great going to Ribera Steakhouse, which oh, would be I've awesome. Probably two of them, like the big sort of merch store. Um, and then I think is he he's having a holiday afterwards, so sort of doing a lot of non wrestling stuff and have a good look around the place as well. Which I could imagine myself like if I was in Tokyo, I'm just sort of wandering around, mm. just kind of just lost completely... in translation style. Yeah, just in. treating the whole thing as a walking tour. Mm. Like, and it was interesting as well because I was listening to some of the the post wrestling stuff that um, John and Way were doing with um, WH Park as well, and some of the things they end up eating along the way. And it's like, oh, this is this is stuff I need to get really on board with because it just it does look amazing. What are they eating? Well, there was some corn soup from a can that you get from a vending machine that they were saying was all right. It's that, it's that kind of stuff. It's like quite wacky stuff. I'm thinking, yeah, fuck it, I'll give it a go. Oh, yeah. I'm, I, like I wouldn't that. be one for, like, the strong zero and stuff like that. I'd, I'd want to eat, you know, I, I'd just want to experiment with it, really. Mm. Give it a go. Yeah, I'd love to get out there. But, yeah, while while Martin's out there, he's uh, he's going to be away. Like you said, he's uh, I think he's doing a bit of a holiday. Uh, as, as a little preview, yeah, next week we're going to be uh, blitzing James with a bit of a grapple takeover on, on British Wrestling Experience for the NXT UK Takeover Review. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The forum will be into that one, Joe. I'm sure they're all made up for you to read. This was at Martin's request as well. Just want to throw it out there. They're going to be made up to have you back. Uh, so people can look forward to that. I'm sure you'll have plenty of uh, positive things to say. 
can't wait. <laughs> two for two on UK I, I, takeovers I, I, with Joe Coffey main I'm event. I'm going to have to sit from a Joe Coffey match. That's... A, a Joe Coffey main event match. Yeah, in that like... methodical cerebral style. Yeah. Sand sledgehammer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fucking hell. Just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're sitting for a Joe Coffey main event. It's going to be, yeah. Mm, I'm yeah. not going to hold back on that. Fuck <laughs> that. What a preview. Yeah, look for, look forward to that. Yeah. Also as well, yeah, that later in this show, we're going to, uh, we haven't forgotten it, Joe and JP did manage to get into unboxing uh, last weekend. Uh, I don't think, there was no photo of you on the wall, was there? Did you manage to uh, to get in the building without bursting into flames? Uh, we're going to review that one later in the show, but you were all right, right? It was I okay. thought the strip search was a bit far, but, you know, <laughs> other than that, oh, my jest, I kid. We I got, got in the building. We got points bought for us and all sorts, you know. Yeah. Wow. It was like uh, returning to the ballroom a celebrity. Were they on the Progress <laughs> credit card, were they these pints? Or? They were. I think they might have been the old business account, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. absolutely fair play. So we, we'll save all that for the end of the show, shall Definitely, we? yeah. We're going re- to review that at the end. We'll, we'll go through that in detail. Uh, check the show notes. I spend a lot of time putting time stamps into check to, for that. But I'm just glad you made it in and out alive. And yeah, the, uh, you didn't get treated like Arsenal fan TV. Did you? I must ask, have you stopped doing, and this is to my shame, the um, like alternative Twitter accounts for Joe? What? <laughs> What's this? Did, like normally you'd put down like you can contact the hosts at, and it'd be like Benno at Benson Richard E. Oh, on the show notes, yeah, I gave that up when we moved to Podbean, sadly. We could start that oh, up again. We could do, couldn't we? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Oh, he had you down as like sort of like John Briley or stuff like that. Yeah, I remember. I remember yeah. that. Salmon. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Good fun. I don't understand Simpler why that was strange. Um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll be talking about that later. But obviously, yeah, this is the we're on Wrestle Kingdom weekend. It's one of the biggest years in wrestling, so we've got to got to start with this. And lads, it was it was two days of action. You were fueled by a roast dinner for day two. I was fueled by a severe lack of sleep this morning uh, for day two. You guys didn't watch either of them live, did you? I tried to watch both live. Day one was a day one was a hell of a time watching it live. Kind of got up at seven. It was like a mm. it was a nice little like you know. I know you're not into the Twitter anymore, Joe, but you know the, the great and good. The people are like we're all on Twitter uh, tweeting along. It felt like a very communal atmosphere, like it used to be years ago for the big uh, WWE pay per views before everyone stopped giving a shit. That was a fun experience. Sunday was a bit tougher, being that five in the morning start. I'd been out till half two the night before, so I did struggle a bit with the day two, but and the stream kind of shit the bed a little bit as well. But I did kind of enjoy like the the big kind of weekend feeling of the being two Wrestle Kingdoms. Uh, again, like I said earlier, I do think obviously they suffered from a from a depth point of view on each of the cards, but I think there was something to be said for like the end of day one, thinking ah, there's another day of this, and then you know being able to to watch it live despite how early it was. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that as a as a weekend of wrestling. I'm guessing you guys uh, you wasted for the roast today. Was it the same yesterday? Did you watch them all together? I watched, uh, so I watched the uh, day one live. I watched that live. Did you watch it live, James? No, I'm fucking up at seven o'clock. <laughs> it's a weekend. I'm, I've been sleeping well. My sleeping pattern's fucked because of Christmas anyway. Yeah. I'm not having five hours sleep to get to watch this live. Like, it was exactly <laughs> the same watching it on a three hour delay. Yeah. Um, four hour delay, even. Um, so, no, yeah. I didn't. And I probably never will because I've got to get up early. And if I haven't got work, I ain't fucking getting up early. <laughs> yeah. I, I did because I also, at the same time, and this was when you had like the kind of weak undercard matches, England's test match against South Africa. I know this is the point where I lose both of you. It's turned very good, very interesting. 
Um, and England were playing well on the Saturday as well. So I was keeping up with that and watching England bowl very well on a, frankly, bit of a flat pitch. Um, so there was that during this kind of, sh- when it was the undercard, when I was paying a lot less attention and a lot less invested. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's the one, of the, one of the benefits of watching, I think, on delay is you can skip through that stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to do that. But I mean, we can, I think we're probably, if we're going to talk the two days, we should probably start with like the big stuff and we can go back to kind of that, that yeah. smaller stuff because I think that's kind of a point. Yeah, the, the two shows were like, it's kind of strange talking about a Wrestle Kingdom as like a, a three-match show or a four-match show, and they kind of yeah. both were, uh, which makes it a little bit easier to pick out highlights. But let's go through the big matches and uh, and review it all. And we can uh, we can talk what we what we did on Grapple as well. A hell of a, a lot of Grapple ratings going on this weekend for the mm-hmm. for these shows too. But I've got to say, for talking day one, we're talking Wrestle Kingdom. There's only one place to start for me as far as the other uh, three big matches that were on day one: Hiromu Takahashi and Will Ospreay. This was the match where it really felt like Wrestle Kingdom to me, where it felt like we were, you know, we were into the the real, real high end stuff. Will Ospreay apparently did the match on like it was like a broken ankle or something, or like a broken heel, ankle, broken heel. Did you pick That's up on any sign of that? None. none, not until like afterwards. And even then, watching the gifts back, you can't really see it, can you? Uh, fuck me, like the fact that this this wrestler from Essex is out there in, in Japan and is this fucking good, even with an ankle that bad, it just says everything, doesn't it? I thought this was absolutely incredible, and yeah, one of the uh, one of the matches of the weekend for sure. Absolutely, like this was the first kind of belter mm. of the weekend. I enjoyed the match before. We'll talk about that later, but this was the first one where it was like I had very high expectations, and they just went ball to the wall mm. and. I think what's kind of crazy, as much as I liked this match, I think they can do better. Like, you you give him, you give him about three months. There might be an element of Osprey taking a bit of a rest now with the heel, not being able to maybe wrestle, see see how long that takes him out of. I still think you could actually do something with them, possibly, like, and even start to think about, you could headline a quite reasonably big show. I know they did the announcements of that, but I've only seen it in Japanese. I have a fucking clue what the the date announcements are but i loved this it was wild particularly and the the bit that feels like the most gifable is the section with the um is it the uh what did he do over the top the dive scene the dive scene over the top row into the german which then he ends up flipping over getting thrown back in the ring and doing it and he just going this is fucking unreal that was maybe the most mad sequence from an athletic standpoint i've ever seen the match ever yeah. it was the most like, one person from one person in a match yeah yeah it was like the most wowed i think i've been from a segment like he was prepared to just throw his body around yeah. to create that moment like the the reverse of the suplex through the ropes as well and then him coming landing his feet and coming straight back and doing the same space flying tiger drop again that's it hitting it was just like fucking hell, like different level. Like this was like the like peak athleticism in wrestling. Think mm. about when we raved about Osprey Ricochet a couple of years mm. ago, and those matches were great, especially that first blowaway one at Corican and Super Juniors. Mm. But this takes that to an even higher athletic peak. Yeah. Like how high and how far can they go with this style? It's just absolutely mad that they can pull this out honestly i think ricochet is the only other person in the world that could have been in this match or a similar match other than that i think osprey and takahashi are the only two wrestlers capable of pulling off this sort of match at 
this level. Mm. And my thoughts on it as well, I think Shingo Osprey was a better match last year, slightly, yeah. ever so slightly. But as far as junior title matches go, since I've been watching New Japan, I can't think of a better junior title match mm. than this. Can you? Off the top of my head, that's that's tough. Trying to think you... of anything, Kashida maybe. Really, no. There's been some good Super Juniors finals. There's been some I, excellent I remember, stuff. But I, love, I don't know if it's been on this level with I the loved Kyle O'Reilly Kashida in the Super Juniors yes. final. I That's thought that was thinking, incredible. Yeah. I loved Osprey Kashida in the Super Juniors final. Ricochet Kashida hmm. were all great, like, incredible matches. But this was just something else. There was something that there was a quality about this that stood out. There was an intangible with this ad mm. in terms of those big spots connected, in terms of the emotion attack of Hachi coming back. And this being his first singles match back in the Tokyo Dome, he hasn't lost a beat. Yeah. But also, there was slightly risky stuff, but there weren't any stupid Takahashi yeah. dies off a top rope. There wasn't the um, sunset flip power bomb to the outside either. Like I was kind of relieved that he toned down his style. Ever, ever I say toned down his style. It's ever, and he's also ever broken so his heel, isn't he? By but, his own standards, yeah. But yeah, yeah by his own standards. Yeah. And it was We've just, seen him have horrible falls at places like the cockpit and stuff you, like that. Oh, no, I'm talking about Takahashi. Yeah, oh, sorry. By getting rid of those spots. Oh, but, right, yeah. You know, the dive, he stood up a top Yeah, road, I remember on, he lands on his back. back. And yeah. Like, that wasn't there. And it yeah. was so, it was good to see that he'd realised he can get through a match and have a studded match without having to do that shit. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's and it. And, like, and he added, like, the, the, the story of, you know, Osprey working over the neck a little bit, which is a little bit, you know, maybe you're expecting them to go in there and just go big move for big move and, and sprint. But you kind of got both of those elements. You got like that, that continued kind of flow of story throughout the match and you got your big moves and your big sequences at the end. And you had, I mean, at the end of the day, it's Romo coming back after, you know, what is it, 18 months away off a, off a, like a broken neck? Like, I mean, yeah. I, I, you you probably I think expectations were, were kind of high going into it, but like I I don't know, maybe there is maybe that I gave it four point seven five on Grapple. I don't know where you two landed. Maybe they've got that five star match in them. Like I've said previously, and it'll come up across this podcast. I could be a slightly harsh rated. I don't give out a lot of fives. Maybe there is that maybe slightly better match you get between them, but I'd love to see it because I absolutely love this thing. I thought this was just incredible from start to finish from from the sequences to the you know the, the overall story that was in there as well just to just get to see like yeah two uh two of the best in the world just in a big setting as well you know third from top two um really caused problems with the match after it following them i almost would have maybe mm. put them second from top but then again maybe we did need that buffer uh, yeah, I thought this was absolutely Wrestle Kingdom worthy, and as I said earlier, this was the this was the moment where it was the reminder of uh, we were at the big show. Yeah, I went four point seven five on it. Obviously, you know we're we're talking kind of fractions, and in in a sense, the only reason by not going five is is possibly the thought I had in my head of they could do better in this. Imagine Hiromu having worked sort of three months into it, that it would be something I would say would be on parity with um Shingo Osprey was for me, which I was like for me that was a fight that was a five star match. Mm. Um this one I want to go back and watch it again. I've seen too much wrestling this weekend over the last few days anyway. Mm. So I'm not really gonna get a chance about it. Do I will make an effort to go back and watch this one I, again. I rewatched it. Like I, I watched it the, the, the this afternoon after I got up from a nap and it, it holds up. I absolutely say it. Yeah. Even just from like 
just I, I kind of wanted to rewatch it because like just like even just the the setting of like the two of them coming out in their ridiculous outfits like uh, like that lion's head. Oh my yeah. god! What the Osprey with his with his sword? I heard WH Park on uh, the post podcast ripping into his sword, call him an Weebo. But Osprey's always had kind of that Assassin's Creed kind of kind of. He really so, likes it, that series of games. Doesn't yeah, he? it kind of works for me with him. I don't mind. It was goofy. But I loved it. But just, yeah, just from the start, just like they came out, like they looked like two big stars. And if it wasn't for maybe a match later on, I think we'd be talking about this as the match of the weekend because it was, it was absolutely wrestled game. We were the top level worthy and yeah, I loved it from, from start to finish. Yeah, when this finished, I thought to myself, I think nothing tops this this weekend. Like yeah. you've got to wrestle one of the greatest matches of all time in order to get ahead of this one. I went 4.75 as well on this one. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll rewatch it because, you know, I might go the full five. I, I, there was, I, I say there's something missing. There wasn't anything no. missing in this match. <laughs> it's about his five perfection. It's what your definition of five yeah. stars is. what all of this comes down to, yeah. which is you're kind of talking perfect. Yeah. And does it feel perfect to you? Uh, yeah, I'm to some extent. And it was perfect on the night as well. I also love... Uh, Takahashi's edition of like a new version of a time bomb as well as his finisher. Yeah, I thought that was quite a cool little touch coming back with something slightly different, if anything, as well. Mm. Um, also, the other thing I'll say is Osprey's offense. I think he's got more aggressive with the way he executes his strikes, mm. with the way he goes to that hidden blade. He's added that to his game in the last year or so, and it's just a question of how good can this bloke get. Because he's getting better year after year after year, and it's it's just scary at this point. Yeah, I think I think it, like if you want to talk imperfections, like I've, again, I think the when you give a match four point oh, seven five, yes. the conversation should be what made it four point seven five. Yeah, what, you're right. Not what you're took right. The course away, but I yeah. would say like one thing I, I saw a lot of people kicking off about was that uh, was it what was it we called the drop kick the drop kick off. Yeah. yeah, where like that's the one. That, if you got to say, oh, there's an imperfection. I suppose there's that, but I don't know. It's wrestling. It's supposed to be fake anyway. You didn't need to platter him over the head. Maybe clapping the side of his his legs wasn't a wasn't a great look. If you really want an imperfection, but no, I think I think yeah, Joe. I think if you're gonna talk about, it, you probably you more you want to talk about why it's four point seven five, don't you? Not why. Yeah. No one's knocking point two five off are they? It's just you know, nah. the difference there. It's the difference between say nine and a half and ten. Like that, that, it, there's not much to it. No, there really isn't, and it's going to be fascinating to see what they do with Osprey now over the the upcoming year. He's got to be a heavyweight. He's got to be. He was He's got to be a he heavyweight. Last year. This time last year, they should, I thought mm. they were going to go with him. I like the, I thought the Kota match, the Never Run. I thought that's where we were headed. One of the things I'll, I'll, I we, I was talking about this with Joe earlier on, even before we started recording, is the idea of these kind of like New Japan having like five year plans for a lot of them, and I still think for him, like Stalin. <laughs> like what? Stalin. Oh, Jesus. And his yeah. five-year plan. Sorry. I don't think Ghetto's that bad. <laughs> no. Hadn't expected that reference. I was like, Jesus. Oh. Um, he was a bastard. I'm sure Ghetto isn't, you know. Not to that degree, certainly. Anyway, I die pressed. <laughs> five-year plans. Maybe that's the idea. And, and I think with Osprey, we're kind of at a point where I still think he would want another match with Takahashi, but I also think there's going to be a merge, a blurring of where he is. So within 2020, I can see there being points. He's obviously going to, I would like to think he'll be in the new Japan cup, which will be something being in there with the, with the heavyweights. He'll be in, I can see him having another match with Takahashi. It's about how soon they get round to doing that again. I don't think he'll be in best of the super juniors. I wouldn't be surprised if, 
he's only having this view for the sort of the first part of the year and then it's the kind of merging of him into heavyweight and then effectively they've got Robbie Eagles anyway who they've been gearing up and uh, you know really like and he's got a pin on Hiromu from his first match back so it makes sense to kind of set him up as a chaos challenger and for him to be the the kind of junior race of chaos it, you know those kind of things make sense I agree it should happen but I think for them they they want it's whether or not at what stage and here's the question what stage how many when do you have him headlining the Tokyo Dome because that's how good he is in terms of putting on that kind of two three years I reckon hmm. not next I think next year's too early I think to it's, headline from a character perspective it's too early yeah I think so and I think he's the kind of guy that loses his first Tokyo Dome main event and then you come back with him I think the thing I want to see more than anything is if New Japan carry on doing shows over here like the Royal Quest shows mm-hmm. is him winning the heavyweight title here in London. I think that would be, that's the moment I want in wrestling more than any other moment you could make at this point in time. Mm. But I think, yeah, it's a few years down the line yet, but there's a gradual slow build that you can carry on with him because he's not going anywhere. He's committed, he's moved over there. He never seems to me like he's got any interest in that shambleish shite in WWE whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think you've got him for the long term plot out what you're going to do with him over the next while one thing i wonder as well is with the new japan sorry with the best of the super juniors tournament do they want him doing one more possibly because mm. he's a bit more of a draw when they're doing bigger houses but they've got takahashi back did they possibly hold off and have him do the super juniors this year maybe because they didn't have takahashi i don't know yeah so it's in, going to be interesting to see whether they transition him out of super juniors this year i don't think he necessarily needs to be in it if he's in it, we're going to get a whole host of amazing matches again. But it felt like last year was his last one because he basically made the entire junior division on his way out, didn't he? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, hopefully more of a better showing in G1 this year. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see more than anything. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think, yeah, to your point, JP, I think it like, and like Joe said, I think we're years off because they're going to want to establish him properly in the heavyweight division before they go yeah. the whole hog. It's going to be a few years of that, of him doing better in the G1, of him continuing to kill it and have these great matches. But, yeah, I'm just excited to see what they can do with him. And yeah, I'm so like, just to like, to allude to like where he is now compared to where he could be. You know what I mean? It's like, look, look at his career path now compared to like a ricochet who's sat on, he's on Raw, sat in an AJ Styles chin lock right now. Like that's, that's, that's Ricochet's yep. career trajectory. And it was a superhero. Yeah. The, but the fact, the, the fact that we're able to talk about the Osprey in these terms and yeah, Ricochet doesn't even, I mean, if you're talking the best wrestler in the world right now, would Ricochet even be in the conversation? The best gear in the yeah. world, it's like say he's a superhero, so maybe the, there's that going for him. But Os- Osprey's third from the top at a sold out Tokyo or a, a Tokyo Dome that seems to be as close to the real reality of the stadium attendance than any of the kind of 65,000 nonsense that was that was peddled for years. Like, I mean, performing at a WrestleMania, I for me, it's, it's not third from the top in a meaningful match with genuine emotion where the crowd are completely invested from it mm. it's not appearing in front of you know you two know wrestlemania crowds better than i do but they're not going to be you know they might sort of pop at some stuff there but they're not going to have the kind of level of investment that this kind of stuff had here and osprey was the perfect foil for takahashi to come back and really kind of hit off the junior year with an absolute bang. yeah and i think giving it to takahashi as well sets up a whole host of new matches mm. he's fresh coming back after this time one match I'm looking forward to as well, anniversary show, will be, well, if they still got the belt, Takahashi versus Naito. Oh! Chaos match, never seen it before. L.I.J. match. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, potentially a really fun match. Yeah. 
definitely exciting things to come for both. Uh, and yeah, let's uh, look forward to see where they're both going to be placed uh, this time next year. But yeah, I've talked around it enough, lads. Uh, this was third from top. We, we've got to talk about it at some point. The uh, the match that followed this and was second from top in the uh, talking WWE pay per views in the in the diva position. Naito J White. Oh, I, no. <laughs> I honestly thought, Joe, I was going to come into this podcast like we uh, did when we did our G1 final review. Think, oh, even though I don't love him, I'm going to have to be the Jay White defender just because I don't hate him, hate him, or you know, I, I, I like certain aspects of the character. I really like that G1 final. There's things about Jay White that I think are, are real positives, but I tell you what, uh, I went, I'll be honest, I went into this thing not really wanting to see either Jay White or Naito uh, against Okada or Ibushi on the second day. And then they had this match and I wanted to see it even less. Obviously, things <coughs> all worked out pretty well in the end, but, but it wasn't even like, I'm not going to sit here and slate it and say it was bad. I gave it 3.25 on Grapple, which, you know, is is above <laughs> average, which is fine, but... <coughs> Second from top on record Wrestle Kingdom and doing that. I don't think I've got the energy, Joe. Have the floor. I'm not going right. to defend them anymore. James so White. 3.25, right? So a 3.25 match on AEW Dynamite that goes 10 minutes. Absolutely fine. I'd say good rating for a good for a decent 10-minute match. Technically Here we've got a match that went close to half hour. Anyone got a time on it? Uh, but I it felt like it went on forever. 33.54. Fuck me! <laughs> right, 3.25 in a 34-minute match. No, that's not acceptable. Matches that go that long need to be hitting those high marks, if you ask me, to justify the time, the length, and the investment that modern audiences put into that match. Now, Jay White is not there. He is not there at all. I've been saying this for, what, two years, possibly more at this point in time. He is not good. I'm just not convinced by it. Okay, fundamentally, he's fine. He can do stuff. He can wrestle, obviously. But look where he is on the card. He's in the semi-main, right, on a Tokyo Dome show. I said this after the G1 when I listed off every G1 finalist over the last however many years and said Jay White's name at the end, and it was like, yeah, good point. Okay? Think about IWGP champions, right? We've had, what, in the last five, six years, Akada, Tanahashi, Omega, Naito. Styles. AJ Styles, Jay White. It's the same thing over and over. He is not an elite wrestler, and he's a guy who fundamentally is pretty good and does some good stuff, but he's been put in a position way ahead of his ability, and he's woefully average at what he does. Also, one of the big problems I have, right, when the show opened, I was sat my brother having a coffee and a croissant, lovely uh, birthday breakfast for my girlfriend, it was loving life, <laughs> and then Jay White comes on, he's sat on a throne wearing clothes that just look completely unnatural on him. He looks like one of them lads who, like, when you were 18, you'd see we're going to clubs, and they'd be wearing, like, clothes that you thought you had to wear to clubs and wearing shoes because there was a weird dress code on clubs you'd be like he looks really unnatural wearing those clothes he looks like that number one his promo delivery i'm watching a man who is not the man he is trying to be ultimately that match right i said to my brother i'm watching here joe hart versus jordan pickford right Think about, and that's a weird comparison. For years, I said Joe Hart was a man, when he played for England, that showed fake passion. He was trying to be passionate Englishman. He was trying to be the guy that loves his country, belts out the national anthem, do anything for his country. 
he wasn't Stuart Pearce, and he was trying to be Stuart Pearce. Look at Jordan Pickford. There was a moment when Naito spat Jay White in the match and did a cheeky smile. And I was like, he knows who he is. He knows his character. He understands his role. Think about Jordan Pickford being a cheeky chappy on the pitch, having that pint of a <laughs> dance recently. That personality is what you see on the pitch. He knows who he is. He's in touch with who he is. That's the difference between being England's number one and that's the difference between being an elite wrestler in New Japan, which Jay White is nowhere close to. And this has been, what, three, two, three years now? What year was the Tanahashi match? It three was, years ago. Was it two or was it three years ago? I'm trying to think. Yeah, because... Was it 2018 or was it 2017? I think it was 18. Cause okay, it was 18. The, the mega push came when Omega left, didn't it? When they really, really, really went right. with him. That's yeah. the- and there's the other problem, mate. You've taken Lionel Messi... Right, you've sold Lionel Messi, or he's gone. He's gone on the three, basically, and you've replaced him with I don't know Dale Afeu, right? <laughs> a man who can be good on his day and has some decent attributes, but is he Messi? No, he fucking ain't. And that's what they've done here as well. And it, oh, he's he's just so woefully poor at playing that character as well. Oh, he does all the little things in a match. What a superstar! Okay, he does nice little things. Well done, clap, clap, clap. Is he having four-star plus matches in great New Japan epic main events where the work and style is sort of the most elite level of wrestling that has ever existed? Maybe you could argue the All Japan 90s style against that. That's the only other style you could argue against it. And you could say, yeah, okay, maybe he's Akira Tawe. Akira Tawe was considerably better than Jay White and justified his push in my mind. This is the biggest overpush in wrestling. He is the most overrated wrestler in the world, and he got completely exposed this weekend where he looked completely inadequate in both matches. Yeah, he does nice little things. Well done, clap, clap, clap. Like I said, oh, the limb work. Look at that limb work. Cool. Is limb work in a Wrestle Kingdom main event or co-main event like this going to get you through a match that needs intensity, that needs consistency? Look at the way he walks around the ring. Look at the in-between stuff, okay? It's boring. There's nothing there. The crowd are fucking dead. His offense, okay, there's a couple of suplexes, I don't mind, but it's not that interesting. The match got okay, I thought, when Naito came into action and got on offense. And Naito, yeah, all right, he's lost an inch, but he's still intense. He still knows who he is as a character, and he's completely that character. Naito was at a point in his career a few years ago where he didn't know he was, and he had that weird glazy-eyed look, and he was, you know, the stardust whatever he was back in the day. Genius. Yeah, went to Mexico, found himself. Jay White needs to go find himself. Desperately needs to go find himself, because this isn't Jay White. He's been woefully miscast in this role. He's not the person he's trying to be in that ring. And we're having to sit through this shite... And then I'm going to have to hear after this, oh, Jay White does all the little things really well. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Like, yeah, okay, oh, oh, I'm getting lost in what I'm trying to say now. <laughs> but does he do stuff that the likes of Kenny Omega, um, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, Kota Ibushi, Nakamura, AJ Styles in his prime, does he do the stuff that they do in these big main events? No, he fucking doesn't. Case closed. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> We wanted a Jay White rant, and we got a Jay White <laughs> rant. I'm fed up of having to watch it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The last three, oh, I know. The last three months in New Japan where he was in those main events, oh, they're just, they're just bad. They're like, oh, look at the limb work. Well done, mate. Did we watch his match and then have the roast? We had to take a break after his match. We had a roast. break after his match, and I liked that the roast picked you up then. For yeah. the, it did. For the second match today. Yeah, it yeah. did. And the Ibushi to... match today, can we talk about that one in... 
as, as a, can we talk about Jay White matches over the weekend as a package, Ben? If you want, if, <laughs> the, 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 the format is being thrown out the window. Go on. Uh, again, today showed that he's not at the level. Okay, look at how he kept up with Abushi. I'm watching an absolute superstar, one of the absolute best in the world, and a guy that's two levels below him. Right. I'm going to rank wrestlers in tiers, right? And I had a bit of a debate with JP about this earlier, right? If I'm going absolute tier one wrestlers, we go in the New Japan main eventers, right? The proper main eventers. You'd throw Osprey in there as well alongside Tanahashi, Ibushi. Miyahara. Yeah, I think I would agree with that as well. Um, you, that's the absolute elite. I think Omega not so much this year, but I think if he was in New Japan, he'd still be in there as well, right? Yeah. If you go in tier two, I would go like Walter right at the top of that. I think the likes of Tyler Bate would be in there as well. I think Zack Sabre Jr. would be in there Stop. as well. Uh, yeah, probably, probably. So I think, you you know, think about that as tier two. Think about some WWE guys you put in there, some good NXT guys, Riddle, Keith Lee, the likes of those guys as well. AJ Styles is probably a tier two wrestler at this point because he's lost a little mm. bit. I don't think Jay White's in that tier two. I think he's in like tier three. I think you'd put him in there with the likes of a Buddy Murphy or someone. Or um, let me think of who else I'll put in tier three. Damien Priest. There you go. I think he's at the level of a Damien Priest as a wrestler. And I'm not having to watch Damien Priest wrestling co-main events on the biggest show of the year. Like... He's not anywhere close. He's two levels below the top, guys. And watching him against Ibushi, a motivated Ibushi, in his absolute pomp, exposed him completely. Nick, our mate who was here today, um, he doesn't watch a lot of Japanese wrestling. He'd heard me rant about Jay White before, and he was like, yeah, I can see exactly what you mean. And from a casual fan perspective, I'll take that on board because the man is not good enough. And I really hope, and it's not going to happen because it's not New Japan style, but I just wish that they take a look at it and go, yeah, this maybe isn't working. And maybe he needs to go away for a bit, find himself and come out of a gimmick that's actually him because this is not him. And it's fucking boring. Sorry, I've <laughs> taken over the show. <laughs> well, <I'm... laughs> Yeah, I mean, and this is I where JP. Right. <laughs> the Ibushi match was all right. It was all right. Like it was three all right. stars, all right. Yeah, like the oh. average, the average on grapple for the Ibushi match is three point six seven. The average on grapple for the Naito match is three point nine six. What uh, hell? <laughs> what, what the fuck? I seen people go fast. That's democracy. Cheap shot went far. Let's not get started on democracy in this country, mate. <laughs> yeah. I know Jamesy was a fan of of the match on day one. Alan I, Alan Farrell. I think. Yeah, I think Alan Farrell. Yeah, yeah. What? I just. I am. It's a difference lost. of opinion. There's a difference of opinion, Man. and then there's just being absolutely well, dumbfounded, think... lost, and I just am, <laughs> don't get it. I don't want to watch the man. This... I'm done with it. This was not even. Hit. This is not hill heat. This is. <laughs> I am bored and apathetic. And if he's made about anything against Naito next month, I'm just not going to watch it. Yeah. See, this is apathy is a good word because this was the weekend where I felt like I lost the ability to like even halfway passionately try and defend him because that's it. He's adequate. He's not. I. I think I maybe I rate him technically a bit more than you, Joe. Not a lot. Maybe a bit more. Oh, I think I the thought... execution of his moves is a bit dodgy sometimes, especially <laughs> in those um, sequences where people exchange finishes in New Japan. I can't. He does that a lot. He does like doing that. That's like a, a crutch that he goes back to. Uh, sometimes it works better than other times for me. But I get it. You know, I think he's a perfectly 
polished professional i think professional wrestlers kind of the word you know as as work over the night only i wasn't on the night like that's a point for me on the night i wasn't hugely into it because it kind of led to nothing but it did lead into the, the day two stuff so i can see the long term i can see you know the argument you know jay white plays his role they knew they weren't out there to you know to but i suppose maybe they they, they this was the setup match for for day two, so maybe they didn't go the whole hog. But then again, that doesn't maybe explain some of the five star shouts I've seen out there for mm-hmm. it. Like, I, I that's what? the thing. I think uh, Alan Cheap shot went five. Um, <laughs> I, I am. I'm looking at grapple. I don't think I've seen any five. A lot of four point seven fives. A lot of fours, but also a lot of threes. Uh, and I think I saw someone do a point two five as well. Is it the new Pete Dunjo coffee match? Isn't it just like absolutely fucking divisive? It's it's the it's yeah you know it's he's a he's a very professional solid like I've I've got the passion to defend him. He's fine. I Mm. think he's miscast. I think he's a big part of this. I think he like you said over push yeah the Gado interference like I just I I just I I I just don't care like I I just I I just think I don't find it particularly creative. I don't feel. Like, I'm seeing them doing anything new with it. The big thing for me is I just don't feel invested. Like, I'm, I'm not... A, to be honest, again, maybe today, day two, when we get into day two properly, I, you know, change my mind a little bit on Naito, but I wasn't invested in Naito in the first place, but I'm really not invested in Jay White. He is, he's just like... There was an interview this week where, I mean... Omega in the books kind of had a bit of a whine about how they've been treated by New Japan and some of that, in fact, most of that um, kind of maybe rolled my eyes, but one point Kenny kind of made, and I'm pretty sure he was talking about Jay White, he, he basically alluded to, you know, you've dressed someone up, up uh, like me and tried to tried to replace me that way, uh, which is kind of what Jay White is. Yeah. In, like the, the, the school shooter mm. gimmick that he's got. And yeah, just it, it's just wrong. It's out of place. I don't think he's bad. I think he's fine. I think... I'd even say he's good, but I've completely lost the passion to to hugely defend him because it's just more of the same. Sorry, JP. No, no, we were talking about this at the very start of this. I've got some theories on this. Um, in terms of New Japan characters and characterizations, one of the things they've done really well in the last few years is they tie stuff back in, obviously, from years. And by years, they're tying in the story of the Young Lions and about how they grow and develop and the kind of initial feuds. So... The stuff with Naito has real weight behind it. And as you say, that character is an extension of him based on things that were happening to him through his career. Akada coming back as the kind of great white hope who's very arrogant at a part of it. It's always been a a good part of his character and kind of kept him somewhat on an edge. That's him. Tanahashi as this guy who effectively did his, carried the company on his shoulders for years trying to resist the kind of younger stars who would have been in the dojo that he would have been training that eventually going to be the ones to kind of take him over. Those are characters that you can relate to. And I often think this is where you put into it a kind of, let's be frank about it, like a moustache twirling villain into the mix who isn't Jay White, isn't related to him as a person at the centrepiece of it. Because I was thinking about this. What's his main complaint? Why is he a heel? What's yeah, the what's, what, what's the motivation? Yeah. I get the motivation for Naito. I get the motivation for pretty much everyone there. Even the Osprey for even the motivation for Osprey is based on I'm just going to have the best fucking matches out there and effectively do stuff that's going to wow people to the point where you can't help ignore him, and that's part of his character. 
there's nothing in the Switchblade character that has me there. So there's no reason that he wrestles a style that he does. A lackadaisical style from Night I expected. Now, with this overall match, I was at a point where it became very, very clear early on that this was the setup match. And, and at that stage, like you say, there was the bits with the TTO, um, which were just, you know, just dull as dishwater there. I can't see how this relates to how he wrestled as a young lion, where he would a bit more get up and go about him. He was a lot more sort of scientific. He was a, he was like a bit, frankly, like a prodigious young lion. Yeah, he seemed yeah, to get absolutely. it completely very early on. And none of that is in this character. It's a completely separate entity that they cut off and they don't really refer to. And it lacks it. And that's what he, and he's, I talked about the five-year plan earlier on. In an ideal world, do you know where he would be at this stage? Be having a feud with Ishii. And imagine how much better he would get having those kind of mid-card feuds and seeing him build his way up through the card. So we get to that point in two to three years' time where it's like, this is our new mega heel. He should be at the point where, like, a Juice Robinson is. That's In terms of ability, yes. I think he's at that sort of level of, like, a Juice Robinson. And their matches together were pretty good as well mm. for their sort of level. I think they're absolutely fine. I put Juice Robinson as a tier three wrestler, if anything. Uh, yeah, I think that one of the big problems as well is... In New Japan, there's a constant arc and a story of growth, and the like. Everything that happens to those characters is part of their arc and their story. Look at Ibushi this weekend. Look at Okada this weekend. Think about Tanner in the Jericho match. Think about Naito more than anyone. Takahashi as well. With Jay White, there's none of that development. He's a caricature. Mm. He's a complete caricature. He's not someone who could be featured in an HBO drama. Yeah. And if he is, he'd be there for maybe a couple of episodes and he'd bugger off. Because he's not, I don't know, a Tony Soprano. Whereas, you know, the likes of Naito, he's got the, the depth of like a mm. narrative of a Tony Soprano type or a Jimmy McNulty or a Stringer Bell from There's one also- of these great dramas. It, it's not there with Jay White. It's caricature stuff. Mm. And it feels to me like, and I don't like, I've gone on before about how I don't like like genre horror films where you don't really develop characters and it's all formulaic. That this is what this feels like to me, and it's I don't love him in the ring, but there are but I can appreciate that he's not a bad wrestler. But it's no, the entire on. package. There's something missing about what he is. To me, he's like a Baron Corbin type. <sighs> Sorry, JP, you could let, don't let that distract from the point you were going to make. No, I would. I was going to bring up a point. It's on Mark, our friend Mark Buckle D, who did some of the reports for Post, and it was one of the summaries he put at the end. Unfortunately, the enjoyment of the match is kind of linked to how you feel about the performers. Naito, you're expecting it to be, you know, you know that it's the setup, but it's the match on the fifth is the one that you're thinking in the back of your mind. That's the one that you're you're paying attention to because that's going to be the one that provides the big moment. So, like you say, Benno, this is the setup for it. Mm. Um, but, you know, if you like Jay White, then you'll be fine with it. If you don't, like none of us are, then we're not there. And I think just the, the saddest point I have about this, like the, this match isn't going to change your mind at all if you if you feel like that. But I think what's sad is, is a slower journey for me and a more organic one would be one that I think would would really pay off. Now, he could hit some, he could have a great 2020 for all we know. I can't see it. I really can't. I can't see, are they going to go, you know, after the Kenta thing, are they going to put them into a feud with Naito? Probably. To be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if he won the new Japan Cup, stuff yeah, like that. It's going to be, yeah, yeah. you know, 
there are things like that. They're not going to give up on this. They're not going to sort of move him or have a sort of moment of, because what would be good for the characters, he has a moment of reflection and he becomes himself and he says, I've been trying to be this person to get to the top of the car, but I'm not there. Yeah. And so I need to look at myself and become stronger. Now, there's a story and a character arc you can get your teeth into. But at, at this point, it's, you know. This anomaly being there in the main event scene is making me less invested in New Japan. I'm the least invested I've been in a few years. I love the weekend. But it's the Jay White thing is a major, major issue with it for me because he's come in, he's replaced a man who, at the top of his game, for me, was the best wrestler in the world, along with Okada and Tanahashi, and he put him in there. Another thing I'll say as well, look at Wrestle Kingdom co-main events over the years. Mm. Okay, think about um, a two... What did we have last year as the co-main event? We had uh, Jericho Naito. What a match. Like yeah. a four-and-a-half-star match I went on there. Jericho Omega. Jericho Omega. Naito Tanahashi. Nakamura, Nakamura Ibushi, yeah. Think about this. I know I always try and contextualise <laughs> it of what's come before. People try and claim it's good. Just contextualise it, please. But into that context and think about the expectation that has been created over the years. This is why JP, as a disaffected, long-suffering Arsenal fan, feels like this because for years he got great football and he got seasons like the Invincibles <laughs> and it peaked at the Champions League final and it's just been shite for years. Fair point. Yeah, I wouldn't say shite in a relative sense of the yeah, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm. You know, at the point I'm. We haven't to turned into Portsmouth or Leeds United just yet. So. <laughs> no, true. Come in, JP. Although I can't talk as an Everton fan after today. But <laughs> you, you had a load of Acardas in Henri and the rest of them. Oh yeah. And then you've got a load of Jay Whites these days, mate. It, honestly, it was like we had old man Nakanishi when we had Danielson playing centre mid for us. The shower of shite. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I was going to say the one. I don't know, maybe defence I'll go... Because I've probably typically, while not being his greatest fan, been maybe the high man on this podcast. Like, we're going to be doing our our top 10 of the year next week, aren't we? I'm going to go, re- go re-watch it. But, like, you know... the, the, the Great orig- man. <laughs> but Jay White and Kota Ibushi was... I wouldn't say it was hugely different from the structure of the other Jay White matches, but I bought that one. I bought into it. I don't know whether it was the the atmosphere and the setting. I do think this one, you know, the Naito Jay White match on night one, it had that going against it in some ways, following Osprey. But to your point, Joe, a Wrestle Kingdom semi-final match should be able to follow something like that, or at least fit in. But there was something about that match that, that stood out for me last year. So I'm going to have to go back and watch it. But I think you can... Dude, the, it's not like it's impossible for Jay White to have a match that I personally really enjoy, or it seems a, a lot of people really, really enjoy. But I do think, like over time, over the last two years, I think the the hits or the time he the times he grabs me and the times I'm really into it uh, are maybe lesser and lesser compared to the times where I'm like, okay, that was just a Jay White match. Like the big comparison I want to make, and maybe I don't want to go too much into like the day two, is like the difference between because fundamentally they're doing a lot of the same things. Is like you know a Jay White heel match and a Jericho heel match. Like how much more oh, yeah. invested. We- we made these comparisons match. during the show today, mate. Yeah. And you can't even like point it, can you? you can't even like say, you know, technically this is exactly what Jay White's doing different than Jericho. It's just it's a star power thing which which goes into it. It's a timing thing. It's a it's an investment thing. And yeah, like like you said, JP, if you link into that like what Mark Buckledy said, like if you're not invested in Jay White, like the, these matches can just be really, really painful. Mm. And he does stick out like a sore thumb in this in this mini tournament. Like he is the one that sticks out out of the four. And again, not even being a big Naito guy myself, so 
yeah it's just a it's a really odd period where they're probably like you say they're going to come out of it and say oh yeah there's you know he's, he's getting heat you know he you're supposed to hate jay white that's the shows i've heard people say that's where the baron corbin comparison comes from for me mm, yeah i can see that i can see that comparison i kind of think he's better than baron corbin i think that's oh I think yeah. all agree. you know let, let, let's not let people think we're saying that but i can see the comparison there joe so yeah this was just this was a low for me as far as like jay white matches it was just uh, a throw my hands up moment of you know he's adequate he's fine but there are so many problems with this presentation of him in new japan absolutely and i think with the mac as well it was their sort of as really a setup was it for night two with the knee stuff yeah. and Nio get Nio more sympathy i didn't think Nio did a bad job of sending a knee and he continued doing it in the main event today i got what the aim of the match was don't know how much it connected on the night like martin sent us a message saying he kind of got quite bored during the match didn't he and it kind of lost him a little bit as well and he was there in the building so yeah there are questions on that and i think night as well can't do the match he did on night two two nights in a row anymore Mm -hmm. and i think they're aware of that so they knew they had to go with something slightly different as well yeah and it's knowing what your limits are and working around those limits but it's also part of his character to a degree that a lot of people view this as his last chance to have that kind of big tokyo dome moment and i think the constant knee injuries and stuff in its own subtle way play into that yeah oh absolutely and it carried on into the match today so I, i i got the setup i got what they were going for completely but yeah it didn't connect with me on the day at all so yeah, if you're looking for a, a Joe White fan club or a Joe White defense, I don't think you're getting it on this podcast. But you know, maybe no. there's others out there who, uh, who did really enjoy it. But yeah, this was that was the semi-main, definitely a, a low point on the card for me. But hey, lads, at least it, it flowed into and it gave a, a nice uh, blank template for the main event. Uh, Kota Ibushi oh. and on night one. Now this is more what we're talking about. I didn't think. Osprey Takahashi could be could be top for the night. I'm still kind of woman in an army brain. I do think this is just about the better of the two, Akada Ibushi, but I love mm. them both. Uh, I think maybe maybe we'll get into like the the, the the ins and outs of the match. Maybe a little bit more going on in the uh, Okada Ibushi match. Quite that bit longer too, uh, which is you know it's Okada for you, but it didn't feel like it either. Crucially, absolutely love this thing. Uh, I think that yeah, I, I think for me. This is the this is, you know, we were looking at these cards a few weeks ago and we were kind of saying ah they're a little bit disappointing. For me, always coming in the fact that we had Kota Ibushi in a in a Wrestle Kingdom main event meant that you know at minimum we were probably getting four and a half stars, maybe even minimum four point seven five stars. He was gonna go out there, he was gonna kill himself, he was gonna deliver an okada again always delivers it you know we've gone how many years is it now of kazuchika okada wrestle kingdom main events you can always you can always <coughs> eight of the last so. nine i think or unbelievable no, unbelievable record if, if, the, if that's what it is i think it was always going to be good but in some ways maybe even eclipse my expectations going in absolutely Probably. love this thing hard hitting there's a story in there too the momentum changes and they're just the i don't know the Obviously, there were big bits of, of violence in there, but it wasn't just like the the hard hit, the physicality and the hard hits. It was kind of the the personality pieces in the match. Like these are two characters with depth in New Japan canon. You know, to compare to like a to to a Jay White. I absolutely loved everything about this thing. Thought it was absolutely incredible. And again, yeah, this this was the for me the proper Wrestle Kingdom stuff. Ah, oh, uh, incredible. 
yeah, I I went four point seven five in this, and I sort Same. of. I've since I've been thinking, should I have gone full five? Same. And I'll probably watch it again this week. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see it getting there because uh, this match was on my mind all evening when I went to bed last night. Like, I did a hell of a lot after I watched this yesterday. I watched Point Break, uh, amongst oh. other things. Yeah. I watched some, uh, me and my brother watched the Kabashi Hansen match from 1993 as well. <laughs> so I'd st- I still managed to do quite a lot afterwards. <sighs> But this was on my mind when I went to bed last night, and I was thinking of those spots. I was thinking of that end sequence. I was thinking of Ibushi's no-selling, oh. which is some of the best no-selling I've ever seen. And have yeah. you ever seen anyone no-sell a card? <laughs> and if they have, no-sell a card in a major match like that. Because it worked, because it's never happened at that level in this attra- sort of attraction before. It was just absolutely incredible. Like, Ibushi brought it. in. Well, a card always brings it, but Ibushi... Well and truly bought it last night. And it it felt very much like the biggest match of his career in the way that he came out and entered the ring, the way that he was actually wrestling, his focus, the dead-eye stuff that he was doing as well. This, to me, is like the pinnacle of wrestling. This is like what wrestling is to me. Um, and I couldn't have asked, really, for any better from it. Uh, yeah, I think Akada, we've given him criticism before, maybe during like the G1. For the first 15, 20 minutes of the match sometimes, not necessarily being there. And this went long. This was, what, 40 minutes, wasn't it, in the end? Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I almost, liked, 39, yeah. I almost liked that first sort of 15, 20 as like a long feeling out process. Mm-hmm. Because the crowd were into it, and you knew that it was going somewhere, and you knew it was going to explode. And when it did explode, fuck me, did it explode. Ibushi Nosa and a John Woo. That yeah. was, oh, that was when he got straight back up. I was I was popping like you wouldn't believe, and then no selling those strikes as well. Just a blank facial expression. The understanding of how a simple facial expression after some no selling can get that crowd invested even further in that story and shock them. Just incredible stuff at a high level from both men. Yeah, that's it, and it was. And again, you know, I've had those same complaints about Okada long matches and this. This wasn't one for me. I, I was I was with it from start to finish. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. the fact that, like I said, JP Kotoribushi is out there as normal, trying to kill himself. He kind of he seems to go into these matches with like that's his goal for the day, uh, and also making uh, Okada suffer for it as well. Like that you mentioned, Joe, like those the facial expressions and the no selling, but even like you know some of the stiff strikes where he was just punching at Okada's head and just and kicking him kicking him behind the backs the ref's back. Just like there was just. There was a level of intensity to him in this match that he brought yeah. and, and mixed up. You know, I mentioned before, I gave Jay White and Ibushi. Uh, uh, that's going to be in consideration for my top 10 of the year last year. And it's because once you once you inject a bit of Kota Ibushi into, into a formula, it seems to really... It definitely it always adds something, and I think injecting him into this into the normal Okada formula, but as well as you know, kind of having the long forty minute Okada story match, you also add you know Kota Ibushi adding you know the, the little spots and flourishes that he added, adding the intensity, adding the no selling stuff as well. I think it just really it took it to to the next level, and all of my complaints about yeah that maybe some of the big Okada matches this year just just dissipated and. Yeah, I'm with Joe. I went four point seven five on it, which I think is almost exactly the uh, the grapple average right now. But I undenied it was the last match that I rated on grapple. I left it to the night time. Uh, I mulled it over. 
I could easily go five. I wouldn't argue with anybody when five. Maybe it's just me who's the coward. Uh, 4.84 actually is the uh, the average on grapple. What did you do, JP? Were you uh, were you are you in the uh, the coward shit with with uh, with me and uh, Joe, or did you? Uh, oh, very coward? yeah, very much in the coward's uh, yeah ship, and went four point seven five because I think afterwards I went, I need to watch this again at some stage. I need to watch this again, and I actually mentioned it earlier on, but Osprey um, Shingo was one of the matches where I was like, I need to go back and see this again. Was it is is it as amazing as I think it is? Because there's kind of like a memory of it. So I need. And I can completely imagine it. It stands up as well. For me, this is what I want from a Wrestle Kingdom main event. And this is the thing. It was fresh. If yeah, Bushi Okada's yeah. fresh, sorry to bring it up, Naito J. White is not fresh. <laughs> That's not a fresh matchup. That's been done. It's not, it's not done for a match. A while. It's not an exciting matchup either. This is yes. an exciting matchup. And this is exciting. And you know it's Kota You know it's the dome. And you know there's going to be points like he did with the Pele kick, which is like, I'm going <laughs> to drop myself on my fucking head. <laughs> and and yeah, the way when it kicked into gear, it went up. Like it felt like it went up an entirely different level. Um, I can get. Like the first fifty, the first ten fifteen minutes for me were were fine as well, and I can get the idea of people not enjoying the kind of the tropes of the Okada matches and things like that. I I kind of get yeah, that. Yeah, there's a formula there, isn't there? There, there is a formula We've there, seen and, and, for a lot, and it's like what Benno said now. about you drop a bushi into that formula, and it yeah. does get changed up very nicely. So you want to see more of these matches, you know, at possibly at some point like a, a Dominion a match. I wouldn't mind seeing an a number one contenders match. I could see him. These two. I could see him headlining the Tokyo Dome again. I honestly could. I, yeah, I, I, could, I, I, it. Could be I was going to predict the main event for next year. Yeah. At this point in time, it's always very difficult. I predict that one. Yeah. Cause that's a, you I, said you're going to book it from here. Do a card or a bushi again? Based on this and based on the chemistry, like that's the thing, JP. It's like, you know, you say you mixing her up. You know, Okada's formula with Kota Ibushi. It, for me, Kota Ibushi's negatives enhance the Okada match. You know, the way sometimes we'll moan about some of the stiffness and some of mm. that spottiness, but, you know, the, he has certain whims that he goes down in certain roads and some t- every now and then, like that Naito match, he can be a bit much. Okada, what's his negative? You know, he can go long and, you know, he, he's telling a story, but it's not always the most enthralling thing. But again, that negative kind of reigns in Kota Ibushi. So it's like, if... If I didn't go five on this, I'd probably, you know, if there was a 4.8 on Grappler or a 4.9, I think I do, because I do think it's like that bit above Hiromu and Osprey, just, 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 just a notch by, you know, a couple of percentage points. But like the, the ceiling for these two, like I say, I might even be making my own scale because I'd love, love to see a series between these two because, yeah, the chemistry between them was just, it was fresh and it can be fresh if they protect it and they go back to it next Wrestle Kingdom, like you say, or go back to it mm. at a Dominion, you know, go back to it at, at certain big shows. Like, this could be a great, great long-term rivalry. A G1 final? I mean, mm. like, you know, that that kind of stuff. You, you save it for those kind of moments. Imagine, it is special. Imagine when you wrestle... Sorry, Benno. I was going to say, that's why Ibushi stayed, isn't it? For these moments, for this match. Someone, yeah. someone clearly had a way with him. I think he, he, we could... We, sorry to interrupt you, Joe, but we could have imagined them. We could we could have seriously imagined Kota Ibushi feuding with the Dark Order on AEW right now. But somebody clearly had a way with him was like, listen, these are our plans for you. We're going to... You know, you're going to be with Okada in the Dome uh, next year. How does that sound? You know, what else was in that conversation? You know, another series, a, a big title win down the line. You know, the, you could do another another G1. There's so much there with him. And I think, yeah, I think that's, that's a big reason at number 
probably a big part of the reason why he's probably stayed the the promise of of big things like that to come uh, yeah, it's good. certainly more appealing than standing on Jimmy Abbott's battered Ford Focus outside the Resistance <laughs> Gallery throwing fireworks. That was it? fun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. But this is like, you know, the pinnacle of wrestling, and he has reached that pinnacle now, and I think he always knew that he could, and he always backed himself. He always wanted to do it his own way, and he's had to adapt doing it his own way slightly. He's had to pivot slightly, and he's got there, and compromise has got him there, and fair play to him. Like, I just think one of the other things as well to think about is imagine this match again when it's going to be reference laden from other matches. So think of the spots you could play off of, the reverse, reversals you can throw in from this match as well, mm-hmm. but they've learned stuff like that. Like, I think with this match, I thought some of the reversal sequences were some of the best I've ever seen in wrestling. Some of the ways that a card acts to execute drop kicks at point. Just insane. A car using that it was almost like a, a spike Michinoku driver at the end, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. It? Uh, yeah, there was, there was stuff in it that I was going wild for. Ibushi going for the, um, oh, what do you call it? The Phoenix Splash. Missing the Phoenix Splash. Imagine if he hits that at some point against Okada. Imagine how wild that crowd's going to go. Like There are so many things that they can play off of in future matches to take this epic HBO drama that they're building <laughs> Even further, if anything. And yeah, I can't wait to see these two wrestle again because if it's anything like this, we're in for a treat, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah, again, a match I'm going to go back for. A match, I mean, it, it's a tradition, really. The Wrestle Kingdom main events are always you know, the top when it comes to top 10, is it listed at the end of the year? But it's absolutely a match I'm going to be talking about at the end of the year because it, it, it was just that good. And if yeah, if there's anyone, and it, obviously the the undercard wasn't hugely saying much, but if there's anyone listening to this that hasn't hasn't seen it, that and the Osprey Takahashi match, you need to see those matches. They are must sees yeah. for for wrestling in 2020. One last thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention as well about this match. The use of the bomby yay and the significance of it with Ibushi's career. Also oh, yeah. with Nakamura being a car as old stable mate, him taking over the chaos leadership from him. It's just little references like that that are so intricate and so well thought out that just make you invest in the match a little bit more because you're thinking, like for me anyway, I'm thinking through that stuff when this is going on. Mm. But also when he kicked out of the bomby yay and won, yeah. How many? What, how much have we seen the one count kickoff over, get overused on the indies in the last few years? And how much did it mean when Okada kicked out a one and no sold a bombier? And you think about the use of that bombier in that Wrestle Kingdom match between Ibushi and Nakamura in 2015, which was kind of the making of Ibushi as a real guy, a legitimate guy. And there's all this significance in these simple little spots that they're executing. And, you know, it's stuff that I think sometimes we take for granted because New Japan is so good at doing it. But we shouldn't forget just how good little references like that are. Definitely D-Trigger's in there as well. Uh, oh, I yeah. I oh, I wanted a one-winged angel. I was desperate for a one-winged angel. <laughs> and, uh, somebody said that on Twitter. I can't remember who was to give the credit, but it was like, yeah, they should have. They really should have done that, like a, a one-winged angel, but with a one-count kick-out, like, uh, <laughs> like Dan Maff and Homicide. Should have uh, got the 20, 2020 version of that. Uh, <laughs> maybe not that far, but, you know, you could have done it. Uh, yeah, it did It did make me think, oh, is there something there? Obviously, with Jericho on day two. I still don't think there's anything coming, but... You know, you, you could play that into it. And, I like you know, the Nakamura stuff, I don't always love it because they do act... Oftentimes, they, they act a little bit like Nakamura's dead. Like when uh, Yoshihashi's coming out dressed in red at that... Was that G1 last year? Or 
was around that period where everyone seemed to be doing Nakamura tributes. It was a bit much, but like in a moment like this with the story like this, it definitely works. It, Nakamura's ability might be dead. Well, I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His yeah. motivation certainly. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's out surfing. That's all that, uh, that matters to yeah. him at this point. He must love Point Break. <laughs> Sure he should have watched it by now, shouldn't he? He would have seen Point Break. I have. Gary Boosie and his absolute pop. Swayze, come on, he must have seen a bit of Point Break. Hopefully so, he's not just seen that shit remake. I, I've watched I've that. I've not watched that. Awful. Never watching that thing. Don't. Uh, but, um, yeah... Th- I mean, I touched on it there, you know, obviously that we we were, talk, we're talking here about like the, the big three matches, but, you know, there was a lot more going on on day one. I mean, what are, what are your highlights? What are your big talking points uh, elsewhere from day one, I suppose? Uh, you know, as far as other big matches that were great, I think Moxley, uh, Lance Archer's won there for me. Maybe not, you know, quite on the level of this. I gave it 3.75, but I thought that was a, a hell of a lot of fun and a nice, uh, nice uh, addition to the card it made, I thought. Yeah, I enjoyed it for what it was. And I think the crowd were into it a lot more than I thought it was. My fear was it was going to be a lot of stuff going on around the outside, which might end up being lost on a sort of a lot of the live crowd. But there wasn't as much of that. And Archer, I don't know what it is. He's like a kind of feel good figure for me of seeing someone who at the age of 42 is, you know, we speak about people as a theme of finding themselves. He's really found himself here. And he is working like that kind of wild big man. And I think there's a really high ceiling to him. I mean, you know, I'm not expecting him to main event the dome, but at the same time, he is kind of, there's so much kind of great intensity there. There's some spots in this that I loved. The one obviously involving Gabriel Kidd would be the one off the apron and and hitting it onto, on the moxie. That was fucking awesome. That was, and it's, it was, you know, the the plastic bag. I, I kind of thought this was good fun for what it was, and it was different from everything else. And it wasn't so gimmicked as being kind of absolutely ridiculous. So I didn't, do you know what? I didn't mind it in that case. You know, I, I generally enjoyed it. And yeah, I just want to see Lance. I, I want to see Lance Archer sort of maybe become part of the Never Title mix. I think that's where they should do that, or whether they have him, yeah, yeah on the um, on the US title tour. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I went three point seven five, like you, Benno. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was just a. I think the difference is, like, I don't always love these plunder matches and going in. I was a bit like, oh, what even is like you say a, a Texas Death Match? But I just felt like it, I think fun is the word for it. I don't, you know, I'm not breaking the bank on it. I'm not going over four on it, but it was fun. There was a level of, maybe not a hate to it, but a level of, you know, they're trying to hate each other, like a level of eyes. It was intensity. Yeah, yeah, like I say, yeah, it was intensity. It was, you know, and it was creative too, you know, using the young boys, like you say, using a, using oh, a Gabriel kid for that. Gabriel kid, yeah. There. That like, spot was, yeah. Yeah, but it was, it was creative. It was different enough. And like you say, yeah, it was maybe violent enough as the way but hard hitting enough and it was it felt like a fight it felt like two big lads having a having a bar fight and yeah i was there for it and it really was one of the uh, the highlights of the undercar for me one point on on gabriel it's good to see that he's wrestle kingdom moment at his first wrestle kingdom which is really <laughs> going to be saying something did you also notice who was one of the young lions out there uh no who I think he was like william um william regal's son oh i did hear he was over there i didn't spot him on screen though uh, there was times he was directly in the camera shot. Oh. Like I'm, I swear he was there for like a card of Naito. There's a one point I think Naito's on the ground and the camera's got sort of 
his son sort of sat there behind there watching the match intensely at ringside. Interesting where Regal and Finlay sent their kids in it. Yeah. Well, Tells well, you a lot. Do as well, I say, don't do as I actually do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, why is it not on NXT UK every week? Yeah, that makes no sense, does it? Is that That's the best like... place to learn and develop now? Why is it not at the Combine? Yeah, but I don't know. It's all right. Is it Enfield? Is it? With this one-way system and the fact they tore down their grounds and, and ended up building a bloody cinema on there. Yeah. And it's one of the worst performing schools in the county, but I'll digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very Enfield niche joke. What I'll say for Lance Archer and Moxley as well, <laughs> my favourite plunder match in a long time, when they started using the weapons, I was like, oh, please, let's head into this. And I think it's an expectation thing as well, because... <clears throat> the memory of Omega Moxley isn't too far from my mind. Mm. And I think with Omega, you don't want him doing that because you know what Omega is, and this isn't Omega. And he should be doing match of the year type stuff, athletic type stuff. Whereas with Archer, you want him doing exactly this because he's really good at it. And it's what he is as a wrestler, and he knows his limitations at this point, and he knows how to work around them. And my God, has he improved. My most improved wrestler for 2019. And he's like 43. <laughs> How many people would you ever give that award to? Four, like in their 40s. Yeah. Like, uh, you're getting most improved cook award this week. <laughs> say that. It's most improved between Lance Archer and Tim Storm. I'm thinking that. Like, <laughs> At that old Cody age. Oates. Yeah. yeah. Cody, I would say, yeah. Like, um, potentially. Hogan was like a similar age to, to Lance Archer when he did his WCW run. Like, you know, I know 43 is not that old, JP. I'm never going to say that. But you know what I mean? It's, exactly. not, it's not the point in your career that you're expecting this kind of a renaissance. And yeah, it was just great to see him out there, like you say, just doing his style and also getting to see Moxley out there doing this. Like, I think I'm a bit mixed on, like, you know, the AEW aesthetic of, well, the wrestlers can do what they want. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like, I always, always like say it's similar to like the, you know, any, like a given, any given Premier League team, you know when there's like, you know, results aren't going your way. You know, the, the players all think they can do a better job than the manager. And they might grumble and they might say things like that, but you don't put them in charge of the club. And AEW has kind of put them in charge of the club by, by hook or by crook and let, and let you know, Kenny do what he wants and let Moxley do what he wants. But the positive to that, and you saw it here as well in New Japan, is this Moxley outside of the WWE system doing what he wants to do, which seems to be these plunder matches, these hardcore matches, he looks like he's having the time of his life, and it does add to my enjoyment a little bit. Look, it just—he's not—he's not out there, you know, under a gas mask doing a miserable promo on Raw about Roman Reigns' uh, cancer. He's out there. He's—he's doing—he's—he's he's wrestling the style that he wants. He's having a hell of a time. He's getting over doing it, and you know, he's doing something different too. So yeah, it just everything about it really worked for me. But it just—I think it was the perfect use in the end of both of these guys, especially you know, for a match that may be going in. I wasn't as as into the uh, the, the stipulation as maybe somewhere. Yeah. Indeed. But any other highlights for you, JP? As far as the undercard goes, where else do you want to go? What else Ooh. was uh, what else was uh, a big talking point for you in uh, the first half of the show? Oh, well, thanks for that. That's, that's a good. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm I'll go you the option the... to go with the young boys, like, but I'm... you know. I'm not. I'm actually going to go with the Liger retirement match. <laughs> yeah, we should talk that. Uh... Yeah, which yeah. was. You know, an exercise, an exercise in selflessness again from Ju- from Jush in Thunder Liger, and I imagine you know, Tom, we're recording this on a Sunday night, so this is before New Year's Dash, and you wonder with um, New Year's Dash, the whole thing really should be a celebration of him mm. the entire time and what he has done. I had no expectation. I've, I've, we've seen a few of these matches, if you, especially like you know, 
like a lot of all Japan and Noah cards have lots of these kind of tribute matches on on the undercard for this. And this was, I have to say, a lot of people they were up for it, weren't they? Even mm. if some of them look in shocking shape compared to to Liger himself. Mm. I say shocking. It's not you know it's oh. not that bad. They're old lads and they look old. But it makes it makes Liger look even better by comparison. That was my big takeaway. Like L- oh, Liger yeah. compared to some of the lads in, in in this match, like he looked like. You could give him another twenty years, and he'd probably be fine. You know, in twenty years, maybe he'll start slowing down and uh, maybe look a bit more like a an Otani or a Fujinami uh, or a Great Sasuke uh, or even a Tiger Mask. To be honest, who I think is actually younger than Liger, but looks looks ten years older at least in the way his, uh, his body moved. Uh, yeah, that's it. It just made him look good more than anything. And yeah, it was a big, big nostalgia fest. You know, they had the special ref, they had the special ring announcer. I love, I, I liked all that. I love that, like, uh, that Liger kind of got to, yeah, to go out on his terms. Obviously, going in a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how you know we would have liked a, a bigger Liger match, but this was obviously what he wants to do. It gave like all you know all his old mates got a got big entrances coming in. I love that with like the Liger in or each of their entrance videos. It was just it was more of like a a feel good ten minutes Liger, you know being Liger, you know putting over to Gucci on the way as well. Uh, you can tell this is what he wants. I think the only way this match would really would be even more what Liger wanted is if they managed to get Cheeseburger involved in some way. Uh, oh. this that, that I bet you that was on his wish list. I bet you he asked for that, and it just unfortunately wasn't made uh, wasn't made good. But yeah, as far as like wish list Liger stuff, I think this ticked all the boxes for him, and that's really what this weekend was about. I think. Yeah, it was like Liger's stag do getting all his <laughs> getting all the lads together, getting all the old boys, bit of a reunion, you know. I don't think there are any dodgy strip clubs on the evening, but you know. <laughs> I don't know what those strip clubs are like in Rapongi, but yeah, I imagine they're pretty dodge. Well, as long as they're not drugging people and then trying to sort of wipe their cards. And... Wow, what without drugs have you in Japan, especially the old reefer? You know, yeah. you'd probably think, you know, even dodgier over there trying those sort of moves yeah. and getting banned from the country. But yeah, it made you appreciate just how good Liker is as well, because the way he's moving at 55 compared to some of these other lads. Fuck it, hell. You, you sort of think, how has he managed to keep himself in this sort of shape? Mm. Especially with the style he wrestled for years. Yeah, yeah. it really kind of put Liger into... brain surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In like 96, 97. <laughs> yeah, 97, yeah, yeah. It really put him into context, if anything, I thought, of just how old he is and how good he still is and how well he moved at that age. And yeah, it'll be missed. Uh, you know, I'd r- much rather have seen a singles match his way out. I'd much rather have seen a toned-down Takahashi match in a singles mm. match with a junior belt as his, his goodbye, but it wasn't to be. He got his stag do. He got the young lads along for the stag as well. Yeah. Showed him how to have a few pints, got on the tear, and, yeah, we got what we got. Well, if you'd had that big match, by stag do equivalents, it would have been like, right, somebody's organised like a massive trip from a go Amsterdam, and he's thinking, jeez, I'm a bit old. I'm not really up for that kind of stuff. Is it all right instead if we, you know, maybe go and see a good game of German football and drink some decent vice beer and and maybe have a sort of a bit more of a kind of quieter time, still heavy on the booze because he kind of got what he wanted, but he didn't have to sort of behave like an absolute animal by having 20 minutes with Will Ospreay. Are you trying to tempt me by saying (laughs) You're looking straight into my eyes and I'm like, are you trying to say something? I'm not trying to say anything at all. Japanese legend theme stag do, Buffy. (laughs) <laughs> that's it you want a Liger stag do you know you don't want a Takahashi stag do do you where it's just probably going to go a bit off the rails isn't it 
I couldn't do it with wrestler the, themed stag do's. I couldn't do it with the cat memes at Takahashi stag do. They do made it after a while. The colours. What about a new Jack stag do? That end up with a corpse. I wouldn't be coming back. <laughs> no, no, you wouldn't. You'd be buried in the desert somewhere. Yeah. When you said How Takahashi, we get Wrestle Kingdom of that. When you said Takahashi, I thought you meant Yujiro because you know he'd be there, like provide. He'd be the one getting them to the strip club. He'd be the one getting them in trouble. That bullet club <laughs> stag dude might be the stag No, it's not. Mate, I saw I saw you with Milton Keynes and Takahashi came out. Remember that? With those two models. Oh, you, yeah. you saw my sons as well. I did. I did. <laughs> it was an experience. Younger lads now. Now it'd be a very different kettle of fish. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, yeah, he was in a match as well. Like the, that's the thing about this undercard that they won. It was the one with the daft eight man with the the daft chaos six man with Bullet club. Like I, I was busy at Greg's during these two. But any notes on that stuff or or anything there? Not really. <laughs> to be honest with you, at, the, at this point, I was kind of. It was always the point where I was going to start getting breakfast I ready and stuff it. like this. Um, the first match I watched, I watched the Liger match, and then I skipped straight to the um, tag title match. Mm. And the tag title match was just kind of there. Yeah, and, it was your typical GOD tag, wasn't it? I was expecting to be into <laughs> Finley. A bit Jesus. lazier than what they'd been recently, yeah, I thought. Yeah. Finley and I, I, well, I think it's probably part of that's the fact that they were losing the belts. Like you could see, you could see it written on the faces when they were coming out. Like Fuck's compare sakes. that to like how hyped they were when they were in your call and they came out like the, the biggest heroes in the world. Um, yeah, they didn't look happy, the lads. And yeah, I think yeah, I, I really I, I thought like you know I don't love Gorillas of Destiny, but I thought you know Finley and Juice Robinson make a fun little underdog tag team. I really did think we'd have some you know fun near falls or a bit of drama in the match, but it was kind of just a straightforward ten minute tag, wasn't it? Yeah, a 10-minute a, a tag, and I think, I don't know in hindsight whether or not they'd complicated a bit much by having the Juice Robinson Moxley stuff on the next day as well, because it, in essence, did it really need this? It would have added, I think, something because of the overall moment of, you know, Robinson being in the tag division and being, you know, at least it freshens it up. I'm glad about that, if nothing else. It's it's just the the tag division could be really great. And I think it's one of the things that always bothers me. Like, you know, Joe had mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. We were, you know, a few weeks ago, we were talking about ta- um, the uh, tag league. And the problem with that was, is you could have had some of the super teams in there. Like you could have done your Tanahashi and Okada and whatever, and at least have a bit more of an elite tournament. But instead, what you end up with is, is, a, is a tag division that still seems like it's an afterthought, mm. which is so fucking weird because it's ghetto. <laughs> And he was a tag wrestler. I don't know if he'd get out some angst on it necessarily, but it felt it was fine for what it was. Like I, I didn't hate it. I was glad that that they had won. Tongaloa's bloody awful, isn't he? Um, but yeah, I you know I was glad he won. That's really as much I've got to say. But I think I went three point two five possibly on that one. Don't think three. I ever rated it. Didn't even feel strong enough to rate it. Uh, that's kind of my thoughts on it. That and the the six more matches, they're just matches that existed on the show. Oh, I did. I gave it a three. Gentlemen's three. If in doubt, go three. And that's what I did for that it, thing. I will say one of the big, you know, the idea of watering it down. I think one of the things that I say bothered me necessarily, they didn't need to water it down. There were enough people involved in the show who could have been involved in some interesting matches on there. Let's just say Shingo Suzuki. Like, they could have had that, like, rather than having him in, you know, in that pointless eight-man tag. Yeah, I could have done with one more singles match on this card. Yeah. It felt 
just like a kind of like real like didn't need a title at stake and i think that's one of the things they get in the habit of of it just being where the titles are at stake rather than at times you know like jericho tanahashi you can just have a match with a build can't you Mm. yeah just something interesting and to kind of liven it up because yeah i do think like it was just that it was a card full of sub sub three star matches and maybe maybe if they had the rambo in there maybe i had been more into it but at least jp we got the uh Got lots of young boy action on the undercard. I don't know if you had any thoughts on the uh, on the lads and their small trunks uh, that was in the dark. So I don't think did you see any of that? I did. I definitely watched that one. I thought it was really good. I mean, obviously not the stuff with Maccabee and Hon- Honma necessarily. They were in doing their stuff for the easy pop. But my God, that lad dojo team mm. really good. Fredericks look good. Looks like he's kind of there. I was hearing he's he's thirty, so they're going to probably get Is to he? the yeah. Um, Toa Hanare looks great and I'm glad he's not dressed up in the kind of stereotypical Tongan warrior style stuff it's more like a human being but he's an absolute hoss of a lad mm. really is they, they're just sort of breeding absolute machines out there because the size of Coughlin, uh, Coughlin Connors and Fredericks is pretty astonishing all fundamentally solid as well Fredericks is the one that seems like the most charisma. Really like Clark Connors. On the other ones, um, I like Suji and Yamura. Yamura looks like he could be a bit of a star at some point. But I will say it's it's a nice little feud and one that's going to, you know, you would hope in an ideal world last years. Mm. Kind of Lad Dojo, Tokyo Dojo rivalry. You know, bring more of that on. It was three stars, which in... Young Lions rating Shit. terms. It's probably That's close to scale, about. I think. I'd, I've gone three and a half in a Young Lions match before. Wow. I'm trying to think. Was it one? <clears throat> I'm trying to think where it was. Anyway, I'll find it at another point. <laughs> but yeah, three, which is really about four point two five, four point five. Well, we'll have to we'll have to do like a, a standalone podcast, I reckon, JP, where you can chronicle the uh, the feud of the uh, the lad dojo versus the uh, the new Japan dojo. That's what I want. Oh, I'm game game for that, and so is Joe. Definitely. <laughs> we'll I? Yeah, I want a lad dojo T-shirt. I really want one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They are great t-shirts. Uh, yeah, we'll have to get one. Uh, but yeah, that was good. I thought they were. That was a fun kind of way to, to start the show. It's always nice to see those lads out there in the uh, in their dark matches. A shame we never uh, we didn't get to see the starting match, but we got that instead. So there you go. Um, but I suppose uh, moving on then. I suppose to, to night two. Uh, I don't know the big stuff from that. We kind of already in some ways covered one of them. Uh, the big three matches. I don't know anyone got any more to say on on Jay White and Kota Ibushi from uh, from night two. JP, anything on that from you? I thought it was better than night one. I'll keep it very brief. I went three and a half on this one. Partly because I think Abushi kind of forced a real serious pace, which is something that didn't happen with the um, with the Night O match. Obviously disappointed by the ending. I thought, oh, this isn't going away anytime soon. Sounds awful. It was it was fine, but in the same way, do you watch a third place playoff? Yeah, that's the thing. It didn't matter. It didn't really? feel like it mattered at all. Like I really, no. really struggled to motivate myself for this one. It was just like I'm not in, in, enjoying the style. I'm not. This was like they were really heavy on the gather interference to a point where I think they were just mm. they, they didn't want to put Abushi over a team because they didn't want to go because they've got like the the title shot implications, haven't they? So they I think they tried to protect him a little bit by going really, really heavy on the interference. Uh, and it's not to say it didn't have stuff going for it. I thought, again, you know, Kuta Ibushi doing the dead cell stuff 
was you know a highlight of the match and made it a bit more interesting than it would have been otherwise but yeah i think we've uh i think we've analyzed to death the uh the jay white uh situation that would uh which caused me to glaze over as well as the maybe the redundant nature of the match i don't know if you've got a uh, anything more to add on that one joe did you go any higher or lower on grapple uh as a point for that i went three i went three and a half actually oh okay that's like that, it wasn't on bad. the jay white scale that's basically a five <clears throat> i've gone i've got to four like i'm not i'll acknowledge in a shorter match he can have an all right match without all the shenanigans shite the akada match i enjoyed last year at wrestle kingdom the g1 match the final these two had is probably the best match but yeah i I still didn't think it was a g1 final level as i've explained as i explained at length did you know tell us in detail Yeah, <laughs> I like that one, but I think the the difference here, what it was that it was the yeah. it was the fact that it was the wooden spoon match, the fact yeah, that yeah. it didn't matter. I think I don't think the interference was as maybe creative as it was in the More. final. Plus, we got the payoff in the final of the, of the good guy of the straight wrestler Kota Ibushi kind of overcoming all that stuff, and this was just a lot of that stuff, and then an uninspiring Jay White win at the end. Maybe that hurts it too. I mean, and we just had more caricature stuff, I thought, as well. Yeah. For me. I'd, I'd, like yeah. To, I'd like to go back and watch it and compare and contrast the two. Because, like, I, I, said, I think I said this, like, for this one, like, watching it live, like, it was such... Again, I, to, I got up and tried to watch these things live at five and the stream shit the bed and it was a whole whole struggle to get through and the English language stream, even when it was working, was, you know, skipping frames, ended up having to go and find a dodgy stream, which I think I had running by the time I got to this match. So maybe that all, all goes uh, against my mood as well. Uh, but yeah, it just didn't, it just didn't feel like it mattered. And it just felt like it was such a struggle. Uh, like I said before, it had me question my, my thoughts on the, on the G1 final, maybe, maybe I need to go revisit that one that I, that I rated so highly at the time, because yeah, this thing was just, it's just so <coughs> inspiring and, and downright boring really for me that it just, it just killed. It, can't just, it doesn't have the same stakes. It's a complete, um, it was a completely different context. The match was wrestled in as well, if yeah. anything. So I get it from that perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah, just more caricature stuff from Ghetto as well that I'm just kind of like, ugh, whatever, great, get on with it. I think <laughs> as a card overall, I thought this was a really good card, I've got to say. I don't think there was really a bad match at all on the night. Um, I, one thing I will say is the, the, the upload of the English version on New Japan World. Yeah. I don't know if it's fixed now, but my God, was it annoying yeah frame rate was terrible on there mm. and me and jp ended up i didn't mind we ended up watching the japanese version i'd much rather watch the english language version but i've got no issue with having to watch the japanese version but it was frustrating and from a business point of view when you've got somebody who was subscribing uh, maybe in the western world over the weekend i hope it really doesn't detract people from continuing their subscription based on the quality of that stream so not like them either no, no. So that was a, a major issue. And I'll go back and watch some of the matches with the English commentary, I think, in the next week or so. But yeah, I thought from top to bottom, this was a really fun card. You start with a Liger retirement stuff, which I thought was fine, if anything. As we said, I'd like to proceed something more. I thought that the junior tag title match was a really, really good match. One of the best junior tag title matches I've seen in a good while. I thought the guys looked really, really motivated in this. And I thought they've gelled as two teams, if anything. I went about 3.75 on that one, if anything. Wow. Uh, that's a high I don't, know what you guys, I don't know what you guys thought of that one. 
I went 3.75 as well. Oh, really? Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah well, I was really watching it with good. you at the time, and it was, like, really good fun. Yeah, yeah. As, as a sort of a lower card, undercard match where the guys are putting the effort in. Knew it was a bit of an opportunity for him. You think about where Fantasmo was a year or two years ago, and now he's in the Tokyo Dome. Like, he was losing to Dave Mastiff in Leamington of 100 <laughs> people that me and JP saw two years ago. And here he is doing this. Like, yeah. If, think of where Travis Banks could have been if he didn't sign for NXT UK. That's what I always think when I see Phantasmo here. But yeah, I thought that was a really fun match. I don't always love Rapongi 3K, but it was one of their better matches that I've seen for a while, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I liked what I saw of it. I only really saw the second half of it because I was still battling with my stream. Uh, I gave it 3.25, but I could I could revisit and rethink it. But for me, it was just a fun, at least the, the finishing stretch, a fun finishing stretch, and a nice reward for El Fantasmo to get on a get on a, on a Wrestle Kingdom card properly um, for this incredible year that he's had. Uh, and again, you know, putting the belts back on Rapongi 3K just kind of feels like them just going back to to default mode. I don't expect them to be setting the world alight over this next year. But no, I definitely thought it was fun. Uh, just, you, you know, unify those tag titles at the end of the day because both divisions mm. are a bit like shite. Um, the most relieved I think I was all night was when Zack Sabre Jr. beat Sonada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it means I won't be seeing Sonada in a singles match anytime yeah. soon at I York. I was shocked. I hope. Britt Reza saved. Like, I honestly, like, I thought this was... Ne- if I was doing, a, if I was doing like, yeah. a, a, an accumulator, this would have been the coupon buster, wouldn't it? Like, I think everyone under the sun expected <laughs> this, like... Is there a political change? Is it going to happen at a later date? Really odd. Maybe, maybe it was because Andy Quilden Ma- wasn't in the building in his lovely suit. Maybe maybe we need to wait for that. Uh, I don't know. But but odd, though, that they went the other way. The, maybe you can have uh, would it, the rematch at the next Your Call show. <laughs> I hope not. Oh, <laughs> you know God. what? Now you've said that. Yeah, maybe oh, he's taking I the criticism on board. <laughs> the criticism of, you know, we haven't seen, you know, enough British title matches uh, in your call or on RevPro proper shows in the UK. Maybe they're saving it, Joe. I, uh, oh, I thought <laughs> to myself at the end, oh, do Zach Ospreay. Just get that Zach Ospreay at your call match done because we've been waiting ages for it now and it's not happened for, what, two and a half years at this point or just over two years. Oh, no, nah, that would be a step down from a Zach Ospreay match. But I've just invented Zach Ospreay happening in that show in my own head. So <laughs> let's see what we get. I'm hoping as well. The other one I was hoping for, because they got Shingo in Guildford on Friday. And when they announce Shingo's opponent, if it's an opponent I like, I might consider going along to that, because it's not that bad a drive. And JP, feel, feel free to join me, because we'll be at work that day. So if you want to jump in the car, feel free. But let's see. Yeah. But I'd love it to be Shingo. Shingo Zack would be an absolute killer match at Yorko, I think. That would be awesome, actually. If you can get when Shingo it... as your regular import in uh, England this year, like, yeah, I think you'll, I think you'll be like a new Ichi over here, if anything. Mm. I'd, t- I'd take it over another Zack Sonata match. Like, I, I don't know how many more of these, like, Sonata being the, the, the one man who can go back and forth technically with Zack Sabre Jr. for some reason. Matches... I've seen one in person. I don't need to see it ever again. Yeah, any other route is fine by me, to be honest. Uh, what did you give that out of interest on Grapple? I went, I gave it a gentleman's three. The average is actually 3.8. So I think it's one of the matches. I think if you're into that style, and you're into that hold for hold stuff with that Zach and, and Sonata would do together every single time they're out there together, then you're probably going to be a high man on it. But yeah, I think if, if, if you're bored of it, like, like I think I am, uh, I think uh, yeah, a gentleman's three is high as I'm ever going on a match between them two. I went three and a half. I actually thought it was one of the more fun matches between the two of them. For 12 minutes, they kept a, they kept a decent pace doing what they were doing. 
I was into the match. Uh, more so than I've been a Sonata match in a while. No, I thought it was a thoroughly decent match for what it was on the night. Mm. How about you, JP? Yeah, same here. I actually thought it was a lot quicker and, and didn't drag out. Like I've, I mean, the part of the problem is seeing some of the Sonata matches, how long they've gone. And just like God, if you if you're not a fan of if you think Okada's not putting too much in those early stretches, Jesus, Sonata's like almost mastered it. So I was quite glad. For me, it, it was like a bit more of a pace to it. So for me, I was a bit more engaged necessarily. Um, yeah, they need. To, I still feel like it's a bit of a waste of Zach necessarily him doing this kind of match with Sonata necessarily i hope they do something with zach next year because i think again there's real mileage and you want him to do western expansion he's a you know it's a great guy to have as kind of one of your figureheads for it isn't he because i don't feel like in 2019 he wasn't used anywhere near as well as he kind of should have been i mean i had a lot higher hopes i suppose for the tanahashi stuff thinking that there'd be a bit more of a substantial feud to it towards the end of the year with the title change at royal quest maybe leading to Tanner defending it at York Hall against him, and then none of that kind of happened. And so, for me, I'm hoping 2020 is a bit more of a, like, creatively excellent year from him, because from a wrestling perspective, he's he's still spot on. Well, Ghetto gets it together and books tag wrestling properly and thinks Zach and uh, Suzuki are an amazing oh, yeah. team. Let's yeah. go all in with them. Well, while on the British side, we're getting that. Uh, as far as the US title goes... Uh, I think what they're building to there is a, is a lot more interesting, although it probably won't happen in the US. I mean, we were going through, I think we fell into going match by match anyway, so we might as well cover it next. Uh, Moxley Juice, which really was just set up for, for Moxley uh, and Suzuki. Uh, I think that's the far more interesting story coming out of it. I was I had some expectation for Moxley Juice, I think, coming off uh, you know the previous night. And, you know, like I said, one of my... What, one of my favourite matches mm. of the night was uh, was the was the night one Moxley performance. I did think this night two match was just again a bit of a gentleman's three of a match. I thought it was fine. It was ten minutes. John Moxley and Juice Robinson had a match, but nowhere near up there with their with their, their previous stuff. Uh, I think it just it existed, and really it was just. Uh, I think Juice was never winning uh, <coughs> once he'd won the tag belts, and really it was just a placeholder to get that that great angle after it with Suzuki. Yeah. You've pretty much summed it up for that. I think I went three point two five. I thought it was it was fine. It was much more of a sort of orthodox match necessarily. There was a little bit of brawling at the start, but then it kind of worked into a wrestling match. Um, but that angle at the end, especially because obviously there's been a lot of reports that Suzuki was leaving New Japan, and and well, now he's you know sort of being put in in this feud with Moxley. It was interesting because obviously one of the things, and we haven't gone into it and we'll talk more about it, is the kind of what had been speculated about the sort of AEW relationship. So one of the things I'd become kind of convinced was he was going to end up losing this belt because if they're doing New Japan of America, they'll want a US champion who's going to be touring around the place as well. But with Moxley, you can't have that because him working in the States isn't something that can happen. So it's a, it, I was shocked that he won. I thought, yeah, him and Suzuki's great to a degree. That would have been, you know, again, wouldn't that have been a great match to kind of have on the show in terms of the kind of specialness to it? Um, asking him to do sort of the two matches sort of back to back, I think that kind of probably didn't help either of them there. That they, it's, you know, that felt it felt a bit flatter, didn't it? Really, hmm. but yeah, it, you know, the Suzuki stuff happened. Crowd loved it. 
they, it's the reason they played Kazanino Ray made sense, didn't it? To kind of save it for that big moment there when he came out. And he was up for a ruck. I think they could have a really fun match. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of the ones that possibly headlines what the new beginning tour stuff like that. But yeah, see what they do with it because I think the situation you couldn't up with the US title on Suzuki, oh, which he would be. He would be not. You know, if you're going to be doing him in the States and him touring, which seems like something he'd be quite keen on as well. Hmm. Um, that'd be great. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's definitely working. Yeah, he's always he's always been more, well, not more over, but hugely over internationally, hasn't he, Suzuki? Hmm. So maybe that is the long-term plan, unless, like, yeah, they do strike lucky with the, uh, the AEW relationship, which we can talk about in a bit. Uh, I don't think Moxley's going to be defending that belt on the US show. So, yeah, I think, no. I think, I think it is pure setup for that. It felt like a bit of a last-minute change. It felt like... Suzuki was maybe on his way out the door if rumors were to believe, be believed. Uh, he kind of his use on New Japan shows, even you know last night, it started to get a little bit questionable. Uh, but it does mm. feel like yeah, maybe last minute something's been worked out. So yeah, that's something to look forward to. Uh, any thoughts on it on Goto Kenta before we go to the uh, the big two matches at the end? Uh, yeah, what was the what was the thing about Suzuki leaving? I remember hearing about this months ago. Like, what was? Yeah, why was it? I think it was Voices who reported it initially. And I think maybe Meltzer talked around it. I think the idea was that he just wasn't happy with his use in general. Uh, okay, I was looking to leave. Uh, but and to be fair, there's de- there's always been more mileage you can get out of Suzuki than than, than they've uh, maybe got out of him the last couple of years. Okay, fair enough. And the best usage they got, we were lucky enough to see at Royal Quest, really. Yeah, definitely. Those kinds of big international appearances, I think they're, they're really what we're for him. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on Goto Kanta? Uh, it was pretty good, I thought. I thought it got better as it went on. I thought Goto had probably his best match in, probably since the Shingo match in G1, if anything. Um, it was certainly better than the last Goto match that I saw, which was against Jay White in a main event, <laughs> uh, for the, which was just diabolically mm. bad from what I remember. Um, might be a bit harsh, actually. But I'm in that sort of mood when it comes to you know who. Um, but I thought Kenta here showed some of his limitations in terms of the pace because he's de- rested at a deliberate pace. It seems like that's the pace mm. he can go at at this point in time. But it got better as it went on. Goto showed some of that old intensity. I thought the strike battles got better as the match went on as well. Kenta was a little bit more vicious with some of his strikes as well. And it picked up. I think the problem is... The feud here is Shibata, and Goto's a little bit dead at this point in time. We're not ever going to get the Shibata match. Shibata wasn't there either, was he? I didn't see him at ringside or anything. No. So that, for me, was part took away from the match ever so slightly. There wasn't an angle with Shibata. There was nothing teased around that. Mm. So you were kind of expecting that, and it wasn't there. So I thought it was perfectly good, though. I think I went like 3.75 on it as a match Mm. overall. Yeah, Um, but what it... Yeah, for what it was, I enjoyed it. Um, but we'll probably see Goto pull out his next big performance at the G1, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. normally how it works, isn't it? He'll go back to sleep now uh, for the next six months. Uh, well, he, he got himself into that really great shape, went away to basically end up in exactly the same position he's always been in for the last couple of years. Never title matches. That's it. He's, he's nothing if not consistent, JP. Consistently Goto. I don't mind it. I'm not as yeah, like out of Wrestle Kingdom, I like him being beats, on the show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. You know, in there mixing mucking it up with like a an Ishii or something like that. You you know what you're getting with him, I suppose, is my point with him. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I liked it. I thought it was good. I thought, again, not completely sold on on Kenta yet. There'll be more on him later, definitely. But yeah, I think it was it was fine. I think 
I, re- I was enjoying the finishing stretch. I felt like they had a few more minutes in them, but I'm not going to complain about a match on a long card like this finishing in, in 15 minutes or so. Uh, it was what it was, and it, it definitely it filled a role on the card. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, we talked around it before, you know, getting into the, the big two matches of the night. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, Jericho. Uh, comparing to, you know, th- this followed the uh, the Jay White coat to the Bushi match, Jericho and Tanahashi. I'm struggling to put my finger on it. What I re- what I enjoy so much about Jericho in this role, it's not always work. Sometimes when he goes long, it's not perfect. You see that in AEW as well. I think Jericho's at a point in his career where maybe you know big TV matches are kind of the best Jericho you're gonna see. But he does it. There's something about him that just makes him so much more interesting as a shithead heel than, than a Jay White. You know, he's doing a lot of the same shortcuts that maybe. You know, you don't always want to see it in a New Japan main event, but there's something to do with his big star charisma and something to do with just how, I don't know, I kind of find him a little bit hilarious. Maybe that helps too. Um, just in his fucking ridiculous uh, vodka shape that he's in with it, like his, his kind of belly hanging over his tights and he's still flexing to the crowd. He's doing his, his spots with the cameras on the outside. He's winding up the crowd. There's just something so much more engaging about Jericho in this role and yeah i thought i thought he played his role great in the match i thought tanahashi played his role great in the match i gave it four stars on grapple and i'm quite happy with that it was just a a fun (laughs) four-star match for me and it was kind of what i needed uh, at this point in the card to maybe watch the taste out of mod with that uh, frankly boring jay white and kozo abushi match uh you know what this was for me this was the best wrestler to be in the WWE, maybe aside from Daniel Bryan, in the 2000s versus the best wrestler the New Japan had produced during that era. Yeah, he wasn't <coughs> doing a Jericho WWE-style gimmick, but it is kind of a dream match in many ways. And they're at interesting points of their careers. They're both... Well, well Jericho's well into his 40s. He's 49, isn't he? Tanahashi's, what, 43, I think, is he? 44, mm. possibly. So they're maybe not in their you know, at the peak, if anything. But, my God, are both of these guys still amazing at what they can do? I thought they kept up an amazing pace. Considering the age of both guys, I thought the pace this was wrestled at and sort of the intelligence of when to hit the big spots, how to hit them, what position to hit them, oh, it connected massively. Like, this was was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, if I'm honest with you. I think... The problem is with the last Jericho match, the Okada match in New Japan, Jericho went to New Japan, ended up in an Okada match, and it's sometimes the thing with the Okada formula, as great as Okada is, it doesn't work for everyone, it didn't work for Jericho. Here, he worked a Tanahashi match, uh, but he worked a 2020 Tanahashi match, where he's toned down the style ever so slightly, and he's got to think more of his head, more around little reversals, little moments in matches, And it worked. It really connected. I thought the pace and the actual time of the match was excellent. I thought the way that they changed the kind of flow of the match points uh, was great as well. I love the Brawler Jericho stuff when he does little sloppy bits and pieces, like miss hitting code breakers, like a DDT on the table outside. I loved how that changed the momentum of the match. I love Tanahashi's use of the dragon screw and how Jericho sold that during the match as well. There was an exchange where I think Tanahashi went for a um, sling blade at one point 
and he did he hit a code breaker as well. There were just little things where they were sort of trying to get into one another's heads mm. that made this match great. Ah, oh, the when he sort of went the high five flow into the code breaker as well. It looked sloppy, but the sloppiness added to it as well, I thought, mm. because it sort of gets across that Jericho character in 2020 that is this kind of aging guy who gets by man, on his... Man. Yeah, wild man who gets mm. by on his ring intelligence and who he is, if anything. I, I really loved this match. I thought it was awesome. Maybe my favourite Jericho match in New Japan is of the Omega match. Interesting. How about you, JP? Um, I really enjoyed it as well, partly um, for a lot of the same reason. It sounds like we've a hive mind through being in the room together, but we, but we all enjoyed it. It was like the kind of match in the room that was kind of a bit... Uh, the, it was like the most we engaging... We all really engaged at this point, didn't we? And I have to say, the kind of talk and the way that they had masterfully built this up by using the AEW title yeah. was brilliantly done. It was brilliantly done. It was just like how you use something and you introduce it into the mix, and you immediately add a layer of interest that isn't there. And obviously, the fantasy booker in everyone's head goes off and fucking, you know, goes off the reservation with all the ideas you could do. But it's kind of an exercise in simplicity at the same time. Yeah. They didn't try to do things that they weren't capable of doing. And to a degree, them knowing their limitations because they know themselves so well as workers and clearly they've got a great deal of respect and trust for each. It was the first ever match, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, but you can tell that there is so much kind of respect for how they know how to do it and you can tell that they've kind of got a similar mindset as well. Tanahashi's come it. on baby as well at yeah. Jericho where he did the Jericho pose. Ah, oh, little it. things like that I loved. It was, and also as well, the thing I'll say for it is this is two blokes in their 40s at the Tokyo Dome, and every ounce of presence that they had 10 years ago, well, for Jericho anyway, is still there, if not amped up even more. It's like what Jericho's lost in ability, he makes up for now in presence and charisma, mm. like tenfold. Like the ma To me, the man is an absolute god. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Chris Jericho is maybe the most underrated wrestler of all time. I don't think he gets the kudos that he deserves. I think he's easy to criticise at times. But just think of the work he's put in over the last 20-plus years, how memorable he's been in terms of characters, in terms of runs with guys, in terms of building feuds, in terms of developing feuds, in terms of what he's doing in AEW. This man is a god. He's every bit that wrestlers from the last sort of couple of well, from the last 20 years, who get a lot of praise, kind of aren't, if you ask me. I'll always make the comparison to Triple H. Look at Chris Jericho and look at Triple H. Chris Jericho is every... Uh, sorry, I'm being distracted by something. But Chris Jericho is 10 times the rest of the Triple H's. He's 10 times the man Triple H's. And he's 10 times the talent that Triple H is. If you ask me, what an absolute legend and what a great match for a man of 49 years of age. Look at what Triple H did with Batista at WrestleMania this year and look at what Chris Jericho just did at Wrestle Kingdom and compare the two. Yeah, he's the man. He's my wrestler of the year for uh, for 2019, I think. It proves what an idiot Vince McMahon is, that he didn't ever value Jericho at the level he should have valued Jericho at. Because this man, if they wanted to frame him as one of the greatest ever, he would be seen as one of the greatest ever. And unfortunately, apart from the hardcores like us, I don't think he is, unfortunately. But for me, yeah, uh, I, uh, maybe Daniel Bryan and Tanahashi are my two favourite wrestlers above a Jericho. I think like his AEW run this year is kind of changing the conversation a little bit on Jericho. 
Like, he, as a, an absolute tippy-top guy and as, like, the flagship of a promotion, he's getting to do that now. And we're getting to see that. And it, we're, we're getting to enjoy, kind of, this Jericho in the in the twilight of his career and make a, a further argument for, you know, him being a, an absolute living legend. Yeah, I want to say... People like, should have been saying this in 2008, <laughs> 2010, when he was curve. an absolute god, keeping me watching WWE <laughs> for years and years and was getting guys over constantly, developing amazing future. Shawn Michaels, Rey Mysterio... CM Punk at a point as well, getting the big show over. <laughs> as, ah, just he's so fucking good. He's so good, top man. And like, like I said, like if we're gonna talk like wrestler of the year conversation from a purely in ring point of view, of course it's Will Ospreay. But if you think of like the package and just think of the promos and the character as far as being like a a top guy, like Jericho is up there for me this year. I just love him. Yeah, he, he's just <laughs> it's just the drunken brawler. Dad, the champion, Chris Jericho is just, uh, it's been everything I want from him in 2019 and I'll go into this year. And yeah, thought he was great here. I think a lot of the, the things, that, like the little things that he kind of did with the, like he's going to be, if this AEW New Japan relationship ever happens, it's got to be because Jericho keeps pushing that door. Like yeah. the fact that he had the promo coming in, the fact that like, you know, I love that he came out and it looked like he didn't have the belt and then it revealed that he really did have it. Like, <laughs> The only thing that could have been made it better for me, JP, is if Jack Swagger was out there with him in the corner, but you can't have everything. Uh, we discussed that while I was going <laughs> on about how, how great that, that would be. I don't know, we just moaned about gay, though, but you know, <laughs> there's just there's something about that Jericho passage that I, that I do really enjoy. Uh, but yeah, he's just like, he's been such an important man, hasn't he, in, uh, in 2019 wrestling, and I think, yeah, if if we see anything with AEW and New Japan in 2020, it's, begotta, it's gonna be because of Jericho's pushing, I think. Uh, and I think he's maybe cracked open a door that definitely wasn't wasn't open going into this weekend well he was asked asked about this in the post-match press conference stuff as well that they did he was asked some questions about this and he was saying if some of the egos could get out of the way that which is astonishing really coming from him in in a sense but he's completely spot on like you mentioned it earlier i lose well exactly i mean really like the most sensible thing you can do is tell the bucks and kenny like fucking grow up Stop acting like fucking kids <laughs> about this. Did yeah. they beat you up? No. Did it, Did you have a work relationship that when it didn't end as well? Why? Because you fucking left and because set up I'm, a company and, and you, took about seven people. And announced it at the Tokyo Dome. Stood yeah. outside. It's like, come on, lads. What did you expect? That might piss them off. What a <laughs> wacky fucking concept, that is. Yeah. Jesus. They're not mm. going to give the young bucks a lovely send-off the, the day after, are they? Uh, it's not happening. And I think they always expected Kenny to come back, so I think that's the reason he didn't get a send-off either. But I do feel like, yeah, their, their hate feelings, if they're what are, are affecting this... Uh, potential of an AEW new japan relationship i think yeah the grown-ups the likes of your jerichos and hopefully your big tones in the room need to sort this out saying that new japan's grudge for impact is quite impressive <laughs> at this <laughs> stage like how long they've carried it it's on impact yeah. it's oh, tna i know but it's like the sheer level of like we're never fucking letting it go. carry on it's they're an irrelevant company you need to just really <laughs> it's like oh we're gonna take you off telly it's like See this? Zero fucks given, lads. Take <laughs> us off. Don't give a shit. Yeah, they were willing to work it with really the NWA is. and Ring of Honor, but they're not yeah. willing to work with CNA. Tells you everything. Access are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything more on, uh, on Jericho Tadahashi? No, not really. It was good fun. Watch it. 
Jericho of- is up there with the Rick Four Flair's, stars, Rick Flair's, Shawn Michaels. Anyone you want to say is the greatest North American wrestler of all time, he's in the conversation. Let's let's accept that at this point. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and I went four as well. And yeah, the grapple average is just over four, four point oh nine. Uh, yeah, exactly what what probably uh, you know maybe above expectation, but you know what it needed to be. Loved it. On a star rating point of view, though, yeah, to get to get to the main event of night two, uh, gotta start here, lads. This was uh, Naito Okada. He went 35 minutes. Well, I was way more into it than I expected to be, given my, my feelings on Naito on mm. day one. But I've really got to ask today. We've, we've, we've heard a lot of 4.75s on this podcast. <laughs> did anybody uh, break that duck and go the five? Or Yep. Did you do it? You went five? I yep. didn't. I'm a coward. Joe, five stars. I, and it's why I'm sort of thinking, should I have done the Ibushi card one and five as well? Yeah, I, I think I it was... that. I think I don't know. It's like the emotion of night and actually getting the belt mm. as well. I think swayed me slightly. There was it was such a tense last few minutes. It was the way the crowd were willing him on in those last few minutes. I think just completely got me, mm. and I was completely into. And you knew this was it, if anything. Um, so I think it was just the added emotion in this one with the Naito story. Because you know that Ibushi's going to get his. Uh, He's going to get his rodeo again, if anything. Whereas oh, yeah, yeah. Naito, this felt like it was it was now or never, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, I ended up going the full five stars. I thought this was an amazing match. I thought it was in, it was paced so well. Um, the usual kind of slower card of stuff, I thought it was a lot pacier. I thought it was a lot more intense in the early stages. I thought they kept up an amazing pace. Again, like I know it's a completely different match, but like Jericho Tanahashi kept a pace, kept an energy. This had that energy throughout. I was engaged throughout this match. Um, there was lots of things that sort of kept me wondering during the match as well. If anything, I thought it was an I thought it was an awesome, awesome, awesome match um, that I'm definitely going to be rewatching next week with the English commentary, just to see if you know it's as good second time round. But yeah, full five stars for me. Just an incredible match. I rewatched it today, Joe. I was on, I mean, again, bad streaming experience this morning. I was very tired. I gave it four and a half, which is still a strong rating. You know, I'm not, I'm not slagging it off. That's a, that's well, a you're basically saying it's shit though, aren't you, Ben? <laughs> that's what, what you're people doing. People say, and I, but I rewatched it this evening and I did, I bumped it up to 4.75. I didn't quite go five. I, th- I think I, I think I did just prefer the main event from night one i think maybe it is again talked about it throughout this podcast that level of investment that maybe i haven't got with naito despite the fact i can see the investment people in the building have in him and how bigger a moment it was uh but no don't don't let that detract from the match in any way i can absolutely see a five and you know it was great the callbacks the the destino near fall that i shouldn't have bought because it was that shitty running destino but i bought it the stardust mm. press moment that, oh, the, that was so good the comments that was put a... over so great like that was like that's a call that's that's what you get on new japan isn't it jp you get you know two years of build to one spot and you're rewarded for knowing it and even if you don't know it the commentary are going to fill you in on it and make sure you do know that's what i love about these uh, new japan main events well, we were watching it, obviously, with Japanese commentary as well. So they were oh, completely... Yeah. Shinpei Nagami was losing his mind at this point <laughs> as well. And it was especially at the point where he hit the Stardust Press. And I think I popped big for that because you knew the significance and you went, he's doing it. Yep. And it was kind of that moment where you're getting something big and you know that this is what's going to happen. And it's the thing that, that logically makes sense. Uh, ultimately, a simple story 
will it end up being the peak of his career? Yeah. Has he earned it? Yeah. This is like, this is long form storytelling, Hmm. complex storytelling, paying off. Where I think it goes afterwards, uh, where I thought it was going to go, I mean, obviously, the, the, the Kenta stuff afterwards, which was interesting. I thought he was going to lead. I thought we were going to have an evil or Sonata kind of, or even a Shingo turn to kind of build up the implosion of LIJ once they got all the titles. But I don't know whether or not that's a direction that they're going in. It was, yeah, I, I went 4.75 as well. And I'm like, it's the, about the third match on here. I'm like, I'm going to need to watch this again, aren't I? <laughs> um, just when I haven't had a, a weekend where I've watched 10 hours wrestling before. And it's like, I need a, a kind of a break for a couple of days on it. But it was great because it had that crowd investment. And that was the, that was the kind of extra intangible that this had of, it had like real emotion from that 30,000 who were there today. Yeah. And they continued with the story from yesterday with <clears throat> Night and the knee as well. I thought some of the stuff Okada did on the knee was really vicious. It got him a lot of heat at different points because of the different ways that he was working that knee. Jay White had laid the good groundwork for that. Jay White can fuck off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When we're talking about an all-time classic, um, yeah, I thought that the count-out spot they did was great as well. I was looking at thinking, how the fuck is he going to get back in there in 20 yeah. seconds? I'm so I, sick of those spots, though. I mean, oh. uh, really? it, it should have been the only one. one of the weekend, though. Like, I didn't I didn't need it in other matches, if you're going to Yeah, do I get what you're saying. I yeah. get what you're saying. I thought this was the best one I've seen in a good while. Like, I really was like, Jesus, can he get... Like, you know he's going to get there. But it was like, <laughs> that is a long distance to go. And especially the way he's crawling along. So I was just completely into it. I also thought Naito selling with the sort of... The stuff running through the pain... That last bit of adrenaline sort of mm. kicking in. Like, I went on a, why am I going on this? I went on a run last week, and I <laughs> felt my groin go, and I was like, oh, fuck. And I just ran through the pain, and when I got home, and I was in agony afterwards, like, in the shower, nursing it, and I was thinking, okay, from a selling point of view, I didn't sell it when I was running. I just ran it off, ran through the pain, and then as soon as I stopped, I felt that pain. That's what Naito was doing here. Good, realistic selling, I thought. And, yeah, the knee work, I think, was on Akada's part. Akada was, like, more vicious and more angry than you often see him, I thought. And I thought that added so much to it. Because, it was the arrogant ace. But it showed that Akada has yeah. that verse. Sometimes I don't think his matches are versatile enough. I just said about the Jericho match, which was an Akada match, but it shouldn't have been. Those Sonada matches were Akada matches again. Whereas I think here, there was that extra bit of versatility and adaptability mm. that he showed in the match to get Naito even further over and to kind of go out defeated, but not showing that arrogance that sometimes he might show yeah. at a point in a match. With like the fist bump stuff at the end. Yeah, when he that was, was a really there, yeah. great moment. And Okada was crying on the mat as well. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, but... You could see that he was absolutely crying. Well, in some ways, think of the weekends that he has had. Think of the two matches he has had in the constant. And in some ways, it feels like we've been the Okada formula, giving him a bit of a slating. These are the golden years of watching. Like, what we have seen of him and been lucky that all of it has been at a point where it's been available to the West. Effectively, the entirety of his run. And you think of the two matches and you're debating whether or not you had two five-star matches in two days. Last time, I'm trying to think of is that who has come close to that in terms of two days back to back? 
probably yeah. like G1 finals, like Kenny. I was year. thinking, was, was it Kenny? Omega versus... and Okada, and then Omega and Naito, two nights in a row, and G1 in 2017. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, are you talking two five star matches? Yeah. Two I was thinking actually the G1 before that, because even the Goto match was really good. Naito and Goto. And he had the Naito in the semi as well. But I, I these think this were, went a step above that. This, yeah. this was. Yeah. Um, He's one of the best of all time. There's no, there's no doubt in it. He's no. the, he's the wrestler of the decade. Tanahashi is the only one giving them any, any push. I would say on that regard. Yeah. And yeah, this was certainly feud of the decade, isn't it? And oh. what that feud has created as a result of all, all of these of... offshoots. Like, like, even the Naito story, it's an offshoot yeah. of all that, isn't it? It's, it's the reward of you know ten years of investment, Ooh. like. Naito Tanahashi is like a feud that's been was brewing before the Okada one, wasn't it? That was mm. like when he he was going to be the sort of next chosen ace before Okada came in. Yeah. Um, but best match they'd had together yeah, as well, without a doubt. I don't mm. think there's any competition. I think oh, the no. Rest Kingdom main event two years ago, I was a little bit disappointed with. Mm. I think I expected more. And in hindsight, it's, it was like the match to set this match up two years later, which yeah. seems I think kind of mad. But that's yeah, that's the part of like the narrative. I think the, the the difference here is the both like you pointed out before, Joe, like embrace their best role for this match. Like Okada was willing, you know, even when he went back to. I, I don't always love limb working matches, especially long Okada matches. But when he went back to <laughs> and the Jay knee White work, matches and Jay White matches, but when he went back to that knee work and it was like cementing himself as this fucking villain, like the crowd were fuming that you know after Naito managed to get a bit of momentum, Okada had kind of took the low road and gone back to that vicious heel work. And Naito himself, like his role in this match, he couldn't have been any more underdog babyface. You know, that's obviously the, the push that he had in the first place that kind of didn't work, but it's kind of taken a few years of him of him failing and being the villain and having, like, mini title runs but never winning the big one to kind of, like... It was like the... Maybe you could have done it last year, but it felt like, you know, in the moment, the perfect time and place for, for Naito to be the hero of the story, finally, and to have all those callbacks and to have all those great moments and those great near falls. It was just, it was the, it was the perfect storm. Like you say, best match these two have had, and I think it's because it, it was just, you know, they were now cemented in Okada being the, you know, we've gone through his midlife crisis period. He's now cemented as, you know, the New Japan wrestler of the decade. And Naito, you know, you really, really needed it here. The crowd were with him for it. And he was that, you know, that underdog face that didn't work for him in the past, but worked perfectly for him here. I think I'm talking myself into five here. Um, I think I'd like you. I'm going to have to rewatch it. Um, talking all of us. Um, yeah. I, which is, in some ways, is their higher praise yeah. for it, that we're going to have to go back and rewatch at least a couple of these matches, if not three or four, because there's good arguments, sorry, at least three of them, because there's good arguments for all of them being five-star classics. If that's not a ringing endorsement, ultimately, of what some of the... St- when it hits a high standard... There really isn't any other company that can kind of live, especially the spectacle as well. Mm. The entire spectacle that was surrounded by it. Because I, I was going to say in terms of like the entrances as well, but it, you know, for this. Oh, Tanahashi's entrance at the Jericho match with that weird video before. Yes. That was kind of hilarious with him doing that weird. Oh, uh... oh yeah, we did mention that when he's like dressed up as Jericho. Oh, yeah. Fuzzy yeah. Tanahashi. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Like, what oh. the fuck? Good lad, though. <laughs> Um, what do you make of the post-match? Would you have had it here? Would you have done it the night afterwards? I think I would have done it the night after, but I get the logic. Mm. You know, when are you going to get the most quote-unquote heat? I'm not sure if that's what they were getting out of the crowd, but when is it going to impact the most? It was, you know, after you, know, yeah. you tell that great story of Naito finally winning the big one 
and you do it then. I get the booking logic with it. I think maybe personally I would have waited and let Naito have the big moment, but I think there's certainly an argument there for it. He's probably all right with it, ultimately, yeah. isn't he? It worked, didn't it? At the end of the day, it, <laughs> it worked. Did. Although, again, yeah, I've heard mixed reports from the crowd there live, whether they were like, you know, whether it's it's good heat or bad heat. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, I, of Or JP? Exactly the same. I didn't I wouldn't, didn't like it, really. I get why they did it, but it's a bit WWE in terms of heat. Considering and... Kento lost to Goto as well, that's very WWE. Yeah, like, yeah. At least put him I... over. Yeah, and I'd rather than maybe maybe goes over in a match tomorrow and then they get to it somehow. I think that would have been not more effective, but it's something I'd like to have seen more because, you know, sometimes as much as I go on about moment booking, a lot of moment booking when it's really earned and really built to is great. And the the Naito moment was amazing. And it's, But these moments mean something as opposed to the WWE yeah, moments, which are yeah. good in a opening montage yeah yeah and it just felt like the moment was a little bit ruined but i guess that's what they were going for with the kennison and at least it wasn't jay white attacking him <laughs> oh god i can just imagine if that had happened uh yeah it's something different isn't it uh, um even if yeah i think i think all it is it's just yeah we'll get a couple we'll get like a mini few with the, with the moment we're going through into like the springtime yeah i can't see you know kent is not going to be in or around the title picture after that but it's a solid first feud, and yeah, I suppose this is this is a way to get to it. Jesus, yeah, I remember who was it who had? Uh, I want to say it was Tanahashi once. I think after he'd won a Wrestle Kingdom, one of the he had one of his early um, title matches. It might have been when he regained a title from Okada. Yujiro Takahashi. <laughs> so like sometimes they're not always picking the best as the is first that, opponent. Is that New Japan Kane? Because that's what happens in WWE. Everyone goes to Kane first. Oh, Daniel Bryan, yeah, Ben Wyatt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it really it. is. And it's, but, impre- it's impressive as well, the rebuild they've done. Like, considering the, the, the amount of work WWE could get out of Kenta. You know, he's happy, smiley, 205 live guy to the point where he literally had to quit the promotion to just to get out. New Japan have done a, a really good job of, of making him, you know, a new Japan star, considering again he came in with that like uh, Noah aura around him, and then you know that's just they've, they've, they've overall I think uh, handled his uh, is new Japan run new Japan run really well. They have, and they realise that they. I mean, they managed to to sort of book an excellent angle with Shibata, which you know we spoke about earlier on. It'd be nice to have some bit more payback to it. I'm fine with this as the as the sort of his title match before the New Japan Cup winner. That's the thing that makes most sense. So, yeah, go go with that. Like you guys, I wouldn't have had it on this. I would have had it on the New Year's Dash show. But hey-ho, it's done now. And yeah, obviously we're recording this uh, before New Year's Dash, so hopefully no angle happens there to ruin everything we've, we've talked about here. But I don't know, over, overall thoughts on, on Wrestle Kingdom as a weekender, as a two-day event? Did it work Ooh. for you? Or, sorry, what was you going to say, JP? I was going to say one match we didn't mention, funny enough, was the Liger retirement match. Did we mention that the Takahashi? Oh, right. Is that when I went to the toilet and I missed that entirely? (laughs) JP, you're giving away the production notes. Uh, Did you have any thoughts on that? It was fine. It was what it was. The speech was nice when I finally got to see it uh, this evening after not being able to watch it live. Uh, It was a match, wasn't it? It was. um, In terms of Sano, he looks terrible. I won't lie in the face. Oh, that double like... drop kick was so bad. But, <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, still producing some great stuff. Um, yeah, uh, as a two-day event, to go back onto the question you were going to ask, I'd... 
personally, it's an experiment that was well worth doing financially. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because from a business perspective, they had two days and 70,000 tickets, which they wouldn't have had in one day. But obviously, they're paying. Yeah. Um, sorry, say that again. 40 and 30, wasn't it? 40 day one, 30 day two. Thousand. Yeah. 70,000 over 70,000 tickets sold for the two days. And I think New Year's Dash is in like a 3,000 seat venue as well, which is looks like that's going to be a, a good thing as well at the same time. Um, I just kind of think that for the most part, um, the two days does dilute. If you're thinking about putting an absolute knockout show on the 4th of of January, and it still 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 seem, you know, given those ticket sales, that that's the day that still fundamentally matters is the 4th of January, mm. that the one-day event would be the one that I think I would prefer. I think there's a room for them to do some kind of dome show, certainly this summer, if they're not doing G1 at all, if they're going to do a kind of bigger show in the summer, perhaps pre-Olympics. Yeah. Well, no, no, You're not the Tokyo Dome, but the kind of Saitama oh, like a, Super yeah, Arena stuff, the like Osaka Dome. Yep, like a yeah. one-off rather than a full tour over the summer. As a, as a one-off there as well, I think I would prefer that because I think you could. It's funny because they diluted the cards. It's kind of a combination of diluting it because you can't have them work in the kind of style that you'd want to do for the two days unless you're a carder and you're just a kind of freak of nature. So you've got that on one side up against the fact that they kind of dilute the cards themselves by not using all of the talent to the kind of best of their ability. Well, they could have really done that. Where was you know? he? Yeah, exactly. Where was Shingo? Oh, Shingo. You know? Considering his year, like, that is a crime that yeah. he didn't get a big match. Him and Ishii just throw them together. Just have a match. Make that the yeah. never match, and then you can book Kenta over Goto. There you go. Booked it. It's easy. He, okay, though. You know, so there's little <laughs> things like that. But I think if you want it, it's that one-off and you want to get that kind of special atmosphere, I'd prefer them just to do the the one day for the future. I, th- I imagine at this point the fact that they normally announce the 4th of January they're going to be back next year, 2021, the fact they didn't announce that probably shows they're really seriously thinking about it at this stage because it's. I would imagine it's done better than what they thought. What would you imagine they would have gone in with over the two days? Probably somewhere around 60,000 tickets sold yeah. total. Hard to say, really, but yeah, I think that that'd be fair considering it's two days and you're expecting, you know, a lot of fly-ins. Maybe, maybe you got a few more of them coming over. But overall, it is a it's a tough ask, isn't it? It's tough, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. like obviously every year, you know, the, it's because of tradition. It's the fourth of January. It doesn't, you know, I've heard WH talk about it a lot. You know, when it's like a a Tuesday and people have got work the next day, you know, that always hurts attendance. So I think that's probably what's really helped Saturday as opposed to Sunday as well. Yeah. I think it's been worthwhile as an experiment. I think next year it falls on a Monday, doesn't it? I think because it's elite year this year. Um, so that's unfortunate. Oh, that's depressing. I'll be yeah. back at work on my birthday. On your birthday. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no. Uh, the only thing you, Joe, when they uh, plan these calendars out, it's an uh, absolute disgrace. Um, <laughs> but yeah so i don't know i think for me like it was something i'd always i'd always think that would work for like a back when i was engaged in the wwe and back when you know the very start of like the brand split i always used to think oh you could do that you could have a two-day wrestlemania but the problem with WWE is you wouldn't trust them because in my head it'd be like you know a big match day one a big match day two and you wouldn't have much cross-pollination but they'd never be able to help themselves and i think new japan here i think you know, they were never. It was never going to be learning to say a, a unique card with unique wrestlers on night one and a new, unique card on night two, but I don't think it. I don't think it was the whole like mini four man tournament thing. I don't think that was the strongest way to go. I think it's worked. I think it's you know you've got to the end point that you wanted with Naito. Maybe it's that JY 
Jay White weak link in the uh, in the four that maybe hurts it for me. I would have preferred like you know mm-hmm. uh, Tanahashi Liger or Okada Liger to, to you know. Well, it would have been Kenny him. Omega, wouldn't it? We would have got a yeah. Bushi Omega as well. Or maybe it would have worked. Yeah, Tanner in there though, it would have worked. Yeah, and you know, you would have had a real character in there, probably doing his one last Tokyo Dome run or something yeah. like that. Or we could have got a Bushi Omega of a dome and got that match they promised for years. Yeah, could put yeah. Ishii in there and it would have had a better story to oh, it. Oh, yeah, but underdog story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. yeah, that's it. I think on the one hand, I wanted more maybe like two stack cards, two Wrestle Kingdom feeling cards. On the other hand, though, I'm kind of glad, you know, today's show was partic- was particularly long but they they one show wasn't wasn't mm. too bad i didn't i also didn't want you know two seven hour shows so i kind of get why they maybe stuff some meaningless undercard stuff in there as well uh i don't think i think i think i'd, I'd do the experience again if the if the, the chance came up but i think i'd book it differently and i, I wonder whether they would too yeah uh but yeah any, any other thoughts on uh on new japan in general or, or going into uh to 2020 um it's going to be an interesting year for them isn't it because they're doing the u.s expansion there's a lot of kind of you know what are they thinking in terms of their expansion because it you know let's face it if there's someone plugging new japan world on tnt or if they manage to send some footage with a new japan world sort of branded logo that involves chris chris jericho against tanahashi or moxley as well and throwing that stuff in there then they, I think they would need that for that kind of extra boost. I also think as well with a potential AEW relationship, which I, I really hope does happen, if they're doing these US dates and this expansion, you get a lot of those AEW guys, like say a Kip Sabian or a private party. Oh, yeah. Some of the girls as well. Oh, if New Japan would have booked women's wrestlers, I suppose we can get oh, stardom possibly. Stardom, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and you can you can help them improve. Think about private party doing those New Japan shows. They need to wrestle regularly. Mm. Um, I think it's hindering them not wrestling all that often and not doing indies. Kip Sabian's probably the same. A few other guys, even like a Sean Spears, I think would benefit from wrestling more dates. So I think if AEW is smart, they'll see an opportunity there. Yeah. And if they want a relationship with them, try and propose a sort of talent use on those shows. To get on those house show dates, Wardlow, someone like him, he needs to do with MJF even, could do with working more matches and more dates. So, yeah, I think there's an opportunity there. I just hope, I hope something comes from it. It's going to be interesting because next year we won't be, we'll be having the summer off New Japan rather than the autumn. That's going to be really hard with no G1 in the it's summer. It's going to be like uh, the 2022 World Cup, mate. It's going to be, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this will be the uh, this will be like the, the, our trial for 2022. Yeah, yeah, the World Cup ready. possibly. I mean, I'm yeah. not happy with that. Then I know by 2022 <laughs> I really won't be happy. It's become tradition. We're usually moaning in the autumn about New Japan. We're not going to be able to do it this year. Maybe they'll all apple in summer. Although then again, I wonder are we going to get more. Like if I was them, like you'd be coming to the UK, wouldn't you? And doing like a big, doing a yeah, couple of shows well. to the G1, going to the US. Use that time wisely. I really hope they do because there's a big gaping hole in that calendar this year. Dave Meltzer was was talking about that today when I'm listening to sort of the um, observatory done on the show today, and it was one of the things that apparently that they're wanting to announce. They haven't quite confirmed it is US and international dates. Good. If they're coming back anywhere, they've got to come back to the copper box. Yeah, I can't think of anything they would have possibly disliked about that that arena. And if the, if they're coming back to the US, you know, like you say, that AEW relationship, a bit of ex, extra exposure on TNT. You know, getting access to those U.S. names again, getting to use a Moxley in the U.S. 
there's so many benefits for both sides. I know we're saying it as fans, and you know, I'm sure there's business yeah. reasons why they don't want to do it. But oh. and you're getting a fantasy booking stuff with it as well, and it's kind of always a kind of dangerous slide almost. Yeah, Card or Omega at MSG. Well, this is the thing. If you're wanting to really do a buzz, and also put those kind of shit show invasions that WWE like to do amongst themselves, all SmackDown have turned up on Raw, who gives a fuck? Mm. You know, that, like, you could have that on a C. Yeah, it's like Ring of Honor CZW on a mega level. I'll tell you what, the other day, <laughs> I was looking at my match of the year, it's getting ready for a podcast we're doing at some point, and I've rewatched a couple of things, and I'd not, I wanted to rewatch uh, Night of Ibushi from MSG. I was there for it, I remember the match really well. I hadn't seen any footage from the show. Ring of Honor, a fucking disgrace. The production values on that show, the way they made Madison Square Garden look shit, the way they mic the show, the crowd were way louder on the night. Honestly, honest, the, the show lost so much because of Ring of Honor's arrogance and the hubris that they went into that night with. Ring of Honor need to die, and we need to get two proper companies in New Japan and AEW running a proper show with proper production values at a place like MSG. Agreed. It was, it was New Japan and the Elite that sold that out. Ring of Honor weren't even a factor. Um, and yeah, let's do that again in 2020. Yeah. Uh, speaking of companies that may or may not, or should or should not die. Ooh. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Um, we, we teased it at the top of the show, guys. The floor is yours. Uh, we've left it to the end, but I'm sure people are dying to hear about it. Joe, JP, you're back in the ballroom uh, last week. How did it go? Well, there were a lot of people who were back at the ballroom last week, and I like to think that uh, at this point we're more on top of our game than, say, Jimmy Avok, who returned to the ballroom last week oh, and God. delivered an absolute shit show. And remember on um, the BWE special we did at the end of the year where we said about Jimmy Avok coming out to progress? And at unboxing, oh, he was there, of course he was, and doing all the old Jimmy Avok tricks. Yeah, I like taking a bump on a death match. I can just lay down for 10 minutes and sell it. Don't have to do much. Yeah, of course, you lazy twat. Um, and it, a lazy match it was. The worst David Starr match I've seen all year. But there'll be more on that in a minute. Um, yeah, i got to say, the show I didn't think was very good. Mm. But I had a great day. I really enjoyed yeah. the day. Me and JP had a great time. We had a good few beers. That was my New Year's Eve, if anything. I was hung up. I was, I was very hung say, over on New it Year's It turned Eve. out to be my New Year's Eve. was... The real New Year's Eve was sat there watching The Mandalorian with my lads going like, yeah, I don't feel like drinking tonight. My head is fucking hurting from yesterday. Oh, I was putting uh, names in hats. We were playing that hat game. I did all five members of Boyzone as my uh, five at one point. That was quite good. And uh, I, had to ba- I had to ban Love Island contestants, which I was just like, N- I-, I made a rule. Anyone who comes from reality TV and didn't enter a reality TV show after a career as a celebrity, banned because they're nobodies. And yeah, progress uh, definitely more somebody's than the cast of Love Island in my eyes. But yeah, crack, great cracking day. Yeah, it, it it was. And if anything else, and we'd said this, and we weren't, you know, after the show, be brutally honest with you, this show in particular because it was non-canon, it didn't really, it wasn't for it wasn't for me. Like you know, the generally the non-canon shows are. However, in terms of going into the ballroom again. And you walk in and you realize the acoustics and the kind of setup. And it's like, this is a really great venue. It's amazing. Done well for wrestling. It's an amazing venue. And it sounds fantastic. And it was like, and I think it might have been the first time I'd been there since they'd done a lot of the kind of, they'd moved the the sound booth. Oh, yeah. And they'd moved it round. 
So I think it was the first time I'd been in there since that had been finished. I think they'd started it by the last time I'd been there. Um, I viewed it as a kind of social occasion. You know, we met with Andy and Jeff, uh, who Jeff had managed to get a t- uh, the Ogdens had managed to get a ticket as well. Really good chat. Brit WrestleWay days as well. Had a pint of the world's end, which I haven't been into for a little while. Quite yes, a Lothen Brow, which was one of the best lagers, probably the best yeah. lager I've had off tap since I was last in Germany. So, oh, yeah. Oh, really Guinness, good. I think. Just well, on that for the day. Keep it on brand, though. I'm very much <laughs> on brand for it. So, and, and, you know, and lots of other people who say as well, you know, um, Dylan Shah and, and Ewan, uh, Ewan McKenzie as well, you know, sort of good chats with a good few people there as well, which was always really nice. Joe Atherton. And it was like a sort of, it was like a nice, fun social. When it came to the actual wrestling, and I know it's a non-canon show, there are three matches that at best are like, yeah, that was, that was, that was very good. I think the highest rated thing I went for was like three and a half stars. However, when things dipped on this show, I'm not, I found it kind of unwatchable at points. Yeah. The reverse battle royal and the main event. And you in a reverse battle royal. That's like your dream bloody match. Not it? really. No. What, because of <laughs> Vince? Been... I don't know why you think I lied to Vince Russo. You in those progress oh. booking meetings, are you, JP? Is it you that's been pushing for this all these years? I have not been pushing for that That kind of... It was awful as a match. <laughs> and, and I know, again, it's non-canon, but yeah. it, just, it just felt at times they were kind of so lost around the idea of it being non-canon, they kind of at points forgot to just put on some good matches. It was a waste of a lot of good wrestlers yeah. as well. Like, you know, you got Ridgeway for a night. Ridgeway has improved tenfold since he's been in Japan. Put Ridgeway against, I don't know, Michael Oka, Michael whatever did the Eddie Dennis match there, which I got why they did Scotty it. Scotty Davis, Travis Banks in the multi Yeah, do, do Ridgeway against Travis Banks, possibly. Like, Take Cara Noir out of that four-way. Maybe go for that. Like, there were guys that I just thought they completely wasted in the match. Travis Banks doing his sexy gimmick as well. Like, how often does Travis Banks really do proper matches these days? Let's be honest. Like, could they not have done some with him? Like, yeah, it just felt like they wasted a few guys in that. And it went on for fucking ever. The show started about an hour and a half late because the line to talk to Jim was <laughs> just... Yeah. Yeah, so we didn't queue up and get a photo for you, Ben. They started late because everyone wanted to wish him well and goodbye in his WWE event. Seventy-five minutes before the second match had <laughs> started. Yeah, it, and the match they had at the beginning was like a pre-show match. It was all like people from the Resistance Gallery, basically, and they it was very, very green. Apart from Cassius and Jerry Bates, they kind of stand out a lot more, but. It was as green around the gills as exactly you would expect. Yeah, it was like the, the match after that as well, the Ilya Kyle Fletcher match. I just really didn't get into. I don't like heel Kyle Fletcher. I thought it was kind of boring. I get why he's trying he to adapt his game. didn't mind as much, that one. But. <clears throat> and I get why he's trying to do this sort of slightly different style. He's a young lad who will improve doing this. I'm sure he will, but... I just can't get into his matches where he's this like methodical heel working slightly slower. I mean, like 20 minutes... And I just, I just was not into it at all. Um, I really didn't think much of the match. I went like three stars on it, if anything. Um, the match I enjoyed the most was Eddie Dennis against Michael Oku. Mm. Um, I thought that was a good, basic sort of match. Easy story to tell with the uh, sort of bigger guy against the little guy, the veteran against the inexperienced rookie. Um, I thought that Oku was especially good, very charismatic, very over. 
um, hitting all of his spots at the right time, if anything, as well. I will say for Eddie Dennis, uh, I'm not convinced he's the right guy in this role. Like, uh, he's fine, but I don't think he's, like, a great wrestler by any means. And I don't think he's going to get anyone over in his position as champion. I don't see him as a champion. I think he had too long on the shelf um, that kind of killed his his uh, momentum. I think he was improving at a point. I think he's kind of he's kind of gone a bit stale in that regard as well. I was thinking to myself, I remember the match between Chris Hero and Mark Andrews, which was a very similar style of match in terms of the story mm. and the formula. That was a million times better. And yeah, that's me talking about former glories and the ballroom and all the rest of it. But it was still a good match. But Eddie Dennis is not going to be making me watch progress shows. That's for mm. sure. Um, what else was there? There was that four-way, wasn't there? The one, the Coronoir, Connor Mills, Haskins, Robinson, which is now set up Coronoir, Eddie Dennis, wasn't it? It was a number one yeah. contender. It was perfectly match. good fun for a four-way match. I thought they could have made a lot more of Haskins' return because yeah. they used music on the show and they didn't use Haskins' Probot theme. And I think the pop you would have got for Haskins using that theme mm. would have been huge. And he just yeah. sort of walked out to noise. This is one of the things, actually, is a big takeaway from it, is you realise how important the use of music is, again, as much as anything oh, else. Oh, it was awesome. One of the biggest pops of the night was... Oh, I rubbish. Will be hurt. Yep, hate breed. Mm. Hate breed. People lost their fucking mind. And for Jimmy Abbott using I Hope You Suffer by yeah. AFI as well, people were going... I did not that. lose my mind during that. <laughs> I sang along because I loved the entrance. And then as soon as the match started, I was like, ah, this is going to be boring. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> I went up for a smoke at that point. I had a bollocks today. You had a few smokes during this show, didn't you? Yeah, yeah a few yeah. cheeky ones. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought... I was like wandering around the ballroom as well because it was fascinating to kind of see it for... Like, it was like the social anthropology thing that we'd spoken about of watching how people were reacting to the show. I had a guy start on me at one Yeah, point. yeah. What? Because... Yeah, yeah, I said that... Get I, this quiet, Ben, didn't we? I said something about... Um, the deathmatch being deathmatch shite or something um, and typical, or I don't know, of course I did. I was very drunk at that point in time. And some guy walked over to me and started threatening me. He thrust his hand into my hand as if to shake hands of me, like good sign of respect, like a proper bloke, you know, yeah. why, the, why the geezers do their business. Um, and I was like, what is this guy doing? He was like, you've got ripped off. I've got my money's worth and you haven't because I enjoyed that match and you decided not to enjoy it. I was like, mate, it's not that simple. I don't choose not to enjoy something. If I don't enjoy something, I don't enjoy it. Yeah. Had a bit of, had a bit of an exchange. And he was very angry at the fact I wasn't happy with the match. It was very odd. Um, but oh, that's well. the kind of way that progress have brainwashed fans over the years, I suppose, <laughs> with the whole positive-negative stuff, the whole cult of progress stuff that exists as well. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, you didn't it, like it, so you're the one with the problem. Yeah. The cult is real. And, you know, the way that Tuesday Night Jaw used to send that message out there as well as the spokespiece for progress, you know, it's all very clear that that attitude and mentality still exists amongst fans. It was a very odd exchange. Mm. Um, yeah, very odd, but... Fuck. But, I, I know Andy Ogden said something about like he was um, somebody had to go on him for standing in their space or something like that. Oh, that was weird as well. Yeah, that yeah. was really weird. Because Andy was like, well, this is where like we've stood here for years. Obviously not been to the shows in a while, but that's kind of just where they stand. What's going it's on a, there for him? Don't be a dick. It's a standing 
bit. You're not blocking. We weren't blocking the way of anyone <laughs> behind. Yeah, we, yeah, very odd. The guy said he had a deal with the security, and they stood there for five years, and that's always their spot. Yeah, unfortunately, like, my bullshit detector went off, and I think all of ours did, and we just stood exactly where we were. We didn't like, move, did we? Yeah. It's an interesting story, mate. Good luck with it in the future, and then just ignored him. Um, yeah, was, so there were some wankers around. Yeah, I mean, to say about it, I mean, and I have to say someone who wasn't a wanker, um, even though we've had a whole little running with um, uh, Adam, the uh, social media guy at Progress, he, he bought all of us a beer. We were there with British Away Days, forming a kind of problematic Progress corner there in in the corner of the room and he, he bought us all a pint um he was he was very nice and friendly were you there yeah, yeah man, you were there. drunk on progress exactly we were um we had you know i'd had a drink mate, as well perhaps this was the point that benno was going to get from glenn or perhaps they had a tab yeah. arranged at like a limit <laughs> And they yeah. were going to have a good few pints if Matt Richards was going to be there as well. And they thought, fuck it, we didn't spend the money on that Benno lad up in Brewdog <laughs> in Manchester. We're just doing the ballroom with these lads, possibly. Fair enough. Oh, in the budget for the year, possibly. <laughs> I was all right with that. It was very nice. I You're mean, the co-opted it, ones now. It's not me. It's not me. Oh, no, we are. That's it. Mate. So the overall report was it was an amazing show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better fuck off this Wrestle Kingdom lark. New Japan's not going anywhere. This was the one to watch. See how this far we've come from. Going places in 2020, really are. <laughs> um, in fairness, like, and it was, it was like, as much as anything else, it, it was a case where he had said, you know, criticism is is good and different opinions are good, and this is stuff that we've learned this weekend as, as you know, the bizarre world of of people on Twitter, you know, getting kind of hit up about pro- Japanese wrestling, which says about where that is. But that's progress on progress's part. Mm. Yeah. But it is, it is progress. It was an idea, it was just an idea of, like, may not agree, may absolutely loathe the things that you say, but in a sense, it's, it's, the way I've always looked at it is, is this worth you spending your time and money on? Because time being, frankly, as important as money, if you're a wrestling fan, really, because you've only got so many hours to kind of consume a lot of this stuff. And so, that's the opinion I've always kind of come from on this, is, is it worth the kind of time and the distance for it? As a one-off event, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for a lot of other reasons that really didn't have anything to do with the wrestling, other than there was this wrestling show going on in the ballroom, and I used to go there and go and watch progress. For me to come back, I find it really difficult. Yeah, I, like, you I'm don't say never say never, but you know, it, it, as a show, I found myself leaving from a kind of wrestling perspective in quite a cold way about where things were. Now. There could be an entirely new reboot with Chapter 101. Completely re- new. It'd be good. I didn't really see any indication of it, and that's where you get into the non-canon thing. But these are things that kind of should have been built up to it necessarily. As a as a card in and of itself, and I know you were at an unboxing a couple of years ago, and I you were there, there was a girlfriend, and it yeah, was... It yeah, that was, one was amazing. And that was great. Whereas on this, I think the highest I went on a match was like three and a half. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and 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 if you're telling someone like, is it a good show to watch? To go, there's a couple of good matches. I liked the Rampage Brown and Dan Maloney team against Mustache Mountain because Tyler Bate and Rampage Brown were doing spots from Steiner Brothers matches yeah. in the early '90s, and yeah. I was flipping out for that because I fucking love the Steiner Brothers. Um, <clears throat> but also Rampage Brown's music as well. The whole entrance was awesome. I was really into that. But it's stuff like the entrances, the sound, the music that I'm into, the stuff that made progress, the stuff that got people into progress, right? 
the stuff that was bad about progress and put me off progress, the lazy Jimmy Havoc stuff, the lack of music, the weird culty fans. And that's an atmosphere that progress cultivated. A lot of multi-person matches. Multi-person matches, I always say this, don't mean anything. Mark Haskins being thrown in the match. They could have made so much better use mm. of Haskins. I don't know if it was a thing with him not being able to take a fall because of, you know, good old grand arrogant ring of honor, not allowing it. But I thought, why not do him and Car Noir in a singles match? If Car Noir's on the up and up, having beat a former champion who's not going to be back for a while. So there were lots of things that I didn't like about the show. I don't particularly like the company, as I've made pretty clear on here over the years. Cheers for the pint, though. I'm always taking <laughs> pint as someone's willing to buy. Listeners, if you ever see me and want to buy me a pint, feel free. I'll take a pint off your hands. Um, but yeah, I've no inclination to ever go back um, this will probably be the last progress show I'll ever go to. I think the only way I'd ever go to another is maybe if I'm up north on a weekend visiting yourself, Benno, and there's a show in Manchester, yeah. I'd consider going along. Always but it's closure on ballroom shows. Yeah. Um, it was closure on the progress chapter, if anything. It's been like two years since I've been to the ballroom, mm. and I think Wembley was the last progress show I went to. But yeah, um, it's a shame, but all good things come to an end and progress hasn't been very good in a while. And it's a massive shame that the last ever match that I'll see at the ballroom <laughs> is the first David Starr match I've ever seen. And I had to watch a man whose liver is probably destroyed <laughs> even more so over the Christmas oh, period doing just, yeah, a bit of a spot here, lie down for a bit. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> it's just, just shite. Do you think he chucked a, did you think he chucked a bottle at the telly when he was watching the Young Lions match from uh, opening up Wrestle Saw Kingdom Carl yesterday? Yeah, Saw Carl Frederick. Well, it wasn't put for AEW, was he? Clearly on their New Year's Eve. doing all that fucking running around, didn't it? <laughs> When, oh. I, when I was following like the Twitter results coming in, and it came out that Jimmy Havoc came out, like I would, uh, and I, I wouldn't have made the trip to be honest because it finished late and I, it would never would have worked for me. But that was the moment where I wished I was there in the building with it, just to see you guys' faces, just to see JP running oh. off for a cheeky smoke rather yeah. than watching a Jimmy Havoc death match. Like that I is hate the death perfect... matches, and I don't like Jimmy Havoc. It's like <laughs> the perfect I way to go David Starr. Big, we all had a big group fight with David Starr afterwards, oh, and I'm slightly, slightly more confused on with Ilya Dragunov. Where I tried to <laughs> ask him about German football, and I thought, you've had a drink here, John. Walk away, lad. <laughs> John? Um, yeah. That's what I'll call myself. I get angry with myself. <laughs> All right, John. Paul. Little secret then. And... I didn't get in the Ilya picture. He's not one of my favourite wrestlers. I only get pictures of my favourite wrestlers. Uh, the David Starr picture was nice, but yeah, I can't think of a better way to go out than you guys being in the ballroom when Jimmy Abbott comes back for one last match. And to, just to boot, he goes over David Starr, the biggest yeah. star in independent wrestling in 2019, who, like, I, I said this at the time, like, Rev Pro shit. They, they booked him really well to a point and then they shit the bed by writing him out of stories for the last three or four months. To be able to outdo that with your use of David Starr in 2019 <laughs> takes the biscuit. Like, somehow, Progress managed to, like, fuck David Starr and the use of him worse than Rev Pro who didn't even use him for the last four months. Like, mm-hmm. what is his year in Progress? Like, yeah, he got to, he won Super Strong Style against, you know, what was their original plans. But then the build to his big title match was absolutely shite. And it's David Starr. He can talk you into anything. And then we got to his big match at Ali Pali and it's just a, a vehicle to put Eddie Dennis over. And now, in his final appearance of the year, he loses to Jimmy Havoc and it seems like that's him done for Progress. Like, Fuck me! What are you? you what a year! Just thinking of it, do you think they just thought, why don't we book David Starr like WWE booked Daniel Bryan? Oh, 
<laughs> it's like the kind of resistance, kind of like against the odds and having to go like with crowd favor, a super strong star, and then going, yeah, but we still don't like him though because he's a vegan and he's got long hair and a beard, and he's <laughs> and he's not a fucking bodybuilder, so we're not going to push him. Do people all say like, well, you know, he's leaving, so you know, what, what else were you supposed to do? It's like, you know what, they don't get a pass for that either. Why is he leaving? He what? never. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Go on. Well, I was going to say, Havoc never left, did he? Never <laughs> fucking gone away. <laughs> but, you know, like, if I would guess David Starr is leaving because of the WWE thing, because they'll be on the network next year, maybe because of certain things he said, maybe just in, in general, it just hasn't worked out, but it could have worked in another, another, another world. Nobody forced progress to be what it is uh, in 2019, going into 2020, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and be network fodder nobody's forcing jim smallman to book nxt uk into the ground like these are these are all choices and instead of like yeah to be in the hot independent company this year using the hottest independent wrestler to the best of his abilities like like how ott abused them this is what progress is at the end of 2019 so yeah it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that you won't be going back because i wouldn't be after if, if i'd have been there live in the building with jimmy Havoc going over david star in 2019 like yeah that's if that's not the nail in the coffin for uh for progress camden shows for me i don't know what else would be to be honest when that happened i felt completely detached from the show yeah um and then obviously you have that guy coming uh it's uh, uh, threatened me i suppose i'm turning oh, around and going what the fuck is that going on <laughs> yeah it was very odd um but i was completely detached from it and to be honest, Benno, you would have had a good time because you wouldn't have given a fuck at that point in time. You'd have been thinking, this is not very good. But... You'd have been a good eight points deep as well yeah, at that point. You, so you're, you're with the lads. You're having, a, you're having a right old time of it. The last and thing, that, last time that was that. what got us through the night, I think. <laughs> and that's what it was. It was a social occasion. It was great fun. Really enjoyed it. A really yeah. good time. Lots Ooh. of it's good chats and a, and a good few drinks. Really, really enjoyed it. But yeah, the wrestling was, for the most part, Cack. I felt like Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 26. I'm wrestling one last time. I'm going to fucking go for it. <laughs> my, my I'm right... the ballroom one last time. I'm going to fucking go for another nine-pint evening. I gave two of the matches on there one star. The main event and the reverse battle yeah, royal. Yeah, I did as well. I gave the reverse battle royal 0.25 stars, and I gave the main event one, I think, or mm. 1.5 or something. <laughs> Jim, no, my, hi- my highlight of the show were the entrances. The Steiner spots. One of my highlights of the evening was that amazing lamb, lamb and chicken shish wrap we found at that weird re- late night restaurant takeaway and a marble arch on the wall. Yeah, marble arch. Oh, that was beautiful. You've been there as well, Benno, oh. when you go on a food hunt around marble arch. We did it again. We made we'd have a 24 hour McDonald's closed yeah, down. We'd walk back from Camden to marble arch. <clears throat> it was a bit of a hike. Oh, we had a good hike. We had a good yeah. day. Walk the beer off, frankly. Walk the beer oh, off. Bit also, of on the way there, we popped into a hotel to have oh, um, fuck me. to use their toilets with without re- without permission. They had a picture, it seems to be specially commissioned, of and it's a picture of Joe with it, with, of Winston Churchill and Margaret Thatcher in the same pic in the same picture, <laughs> oh. and then a load of stuff on Churchill. Like loads of stuff. Him with a gun in his hand and yeah. stuff. I was like, Jesus. Uh, it's like, oh, it's a bit like Churchill fetishism, this really, isn't it? Very, very odd. like oh, in this really posh hotel. <laughs> I don't know where we went to from that. I was at the start of it. So that was, yeah. Is that the day? 
that was the start of the day, and then the rap was the end of the day. Yeah. 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 Start with po- po- with politics, end with a bit of slagging Jimmy Havoc off. It's like the, the structure of a regular Spotlight podcast. I think it works. What well, I'll say for Jim as well is he was very modest with his he speeches was. during the show. He wasn't was self-indulgent. He? Yeah, yeah, he really was. He wasn't he self-indulgent. He is on Twitter. Uh, oh, okay, but he wasn't on the night at all. The queue and the delay of the show was a bit fucking annoying because people missed trains, and I got home very late yeah. as a result, way later than I was expecting. Did you walk back from Oxford? Uh, no, the buses had stopped, and I bumped into some guy who was finishing work in a club or something, and I'd ended up chatting to him, and he was like, he basically lived near me, and was like, I've already paid for a taxi. Do you want to just get in? I was like, yeah. Do you want some money? No, don't worry about it. I mean, I tried to give him some money and he just wouldn't take it. So, yeah, I've got a free ride over this guy's taxi. <laughs> yeah. Fucking walk for an hour. And it the was a great was day. And it, ended, it ended, you know, with a bit of I luck I sober well. by the time I got back. So that's, yeah. That was the main thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. That's uh... Progress are going nowhere in 2020. That's all this. <laughs> there you go. That pint didn't, go, didn't buy them too much. And, yeah, you were... Ooh. Yeah, maybe chapter 101 will be the one to turn it around, but oh, if we're going to be asked of any signs of that, I didn't see any. Well, you know, you, you didn't get to see Tony Storm and Ginny, which I believe was announced. I'm sad that didn't happen. But... Oh, mate, I was so... When Ginny came out, I was like, thank God I didn't have to watch her wrestle tonight. <laughs> but you did get your pint. You got to say goodbye to Jim. I'm, I'm sad that JP didn't, didn't get a mark picture. Did you, JP? Nope. Oh, okay. Well, from a distance, you got to say goodbye to Jim. You've had six months to do it. Uh, I'm not yeah, I think that he's they, modest. People gave him like a standing ovation at the end, and it's yeah, not to it's be earned. and it's earned. It's, earned. it's not to be dismissed about some of the stuff. He's done some he's great had. stuff in British wrestling. I don't know where they are now. But no. fair play. I get why he's done it. But at the same time, think about what progress was for those first few years as a company in terms of lifting this scene up, in terms of presenting something completely different, and in terms of him giving a unique style as an announcer and the face of a company, in terms of being that figurehead for a good while. Yeah. You know, his presence helped make the company, helped establish the company. It was one of the reasons we probably got invested and started getting along to the shows and going back every month. He did some great stuff. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. Um, yeah, I've not liked the last few years of it, but yeah, the first few were fucking great. Yeah, oh, that's true. Again, like we said on Ask Rev Joe, it's the reason we do this podcast uh, is also meeting up at the. No, but just free mates. And... <laughs> this isn't like without trying to sound funny about it. It wasn't like a bandwagon we've sort of necessarily jumped on. This is stuff that we've been going on about for like three years. Yeah, at this stage, it you feels know, like this... closure, JP. Yeah. That's what this feels like. It, it did. It did feel like closure. And for that in and of itself, that was like it was fine. It was nice, and it was the fact that well, I haven't got work tomorrow, so. Great. I'll have a night out on the tear instead. You didn't consider giving Jim a present? Maybe a grapple apron? Let's <laughs> give him a link to the, link to the app. Well, yeah. That's why I've rated this match. Yeah. One fucking star, mate. <laughs> well, Gareth will hate me for this link, but, you know, we are working together. There is the, uh, yep. the Progressors Top 10 Matches of the Year YouTube video that they do. I believe that's going to uh, be based on grapple ratings. So, you know, they, like I said, you got your pint. There's that yeah. too. You know? Can I shock you both? Quite like progress. Things going. <laughs> Can I not shock you both? I think they're shy. <laughs> and we'll I think check they, out the top ten. The I do, mate. I do. Yeah. Still a, a good day out, though. It sounds like, and you know, yeah. I, I I definitely shit. Like I, I'm still doing the progress Manchester shows this year, you know. And I'll even, you know, if I was gonna like meet up with Martin for a pint, I'd probably consider a Sheffield show. But still a fun day out. You just go in with a different expectation, don't you? 
I, I was going to say it, it. It just mirrors on it, like which shows I'd go to. It'd be social occasions. That'd be that'd be a big part of it. It's who else is going down. And it's like, oh, you can meet up and whatever. It's like, yeah, fine, we could do that. Th- that's the kind of way I would look at it. But in terms of investment, from going how I was when we first started going to where I am now. I feel very detached. It's because they also don't book any wrestlers that I, I really love anymore because a lot of the wrestlers are NXT UK guys who have been diluted. Like I love Tyler Bate. I love seeing him wrestle, mm. but he's not going to go all out in progress. None of these guys really are anymore. Mm. So they haven't got anyone that I really, really want to see anymore either or who mm. I haven't seen. It's weird because a lot of these guys, like Tread7, Tyler Bate, um, trying to think of who else. There are a few guys in the card that I've not seen wrestle this year. Who, or in 2019, who yeah. I'd seen wrestle so many times the year in the years previously, and it was kind of weird being like, "Oh, I've not seen him wrestle in over a year." Considering at points it was like every two weeks you might see one of those guys wrestle, and mm. yeah, it was all right, I suppose. But yeah, whatever. Don't know what I'm trying to say with this point. Well, speaking of which, just just before we go, very very it's briefly, like, speaking of wrestlers, you know, could be able to see for a year. Chris Brooks is going for, to Japan for a year. You sad, John? You're gonna miss him. No, not at all. And fair play to him <laughs> no, for, fair play though, yeah. for doing yeah. it and yeah, investing himself all and having the self-awareness world. to go, this is the best thing for yeah. me as a wrestler if I want to develop. And you know what? I haven't seen one of his matches in DDT, but I and Arthur attempted to check it out over the next year or so. Right see how he improves him. over the time he's there. And, mm. you know, good on him. Good on him. I've got a lot of time and a lot of respect for someone willing to do that, especially when they can carry on kind of living off what they've got here as well, if anything. He's think, backing himself. Yeah, he is. I think there'll and be a lot... We talk about a lot and a lot of the anger that we've mm. had, kind of younger gen- wrestlers not kind of protecting themselves and protecting their character. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, I, I get it completely. I think there'll be a lot of people who are very sad that he's going to be gone from the scene for a good while, but... Oof. Good on the man, and he's going to be freshened up when he comes back, and hopefully improve like Ridgeway was well, when he came back. My big point on it, and you know, won't go won't go long on it, but like I just think, you know, we've criticised, you know, Brooks as a singles wrestler, Joe, you know, the memey wrestling style. That's very much not for you, but there's definitely a certain like element of the Brit Res fan base. The, mm. the uh, derogatory called them the uh, the kids in Schadenfreude t-shirts, but you know what I mean. You know, the the yeah. people who uh, you know might have that extended chat with Chris Brooks at a merch stand, or you know, our head to toe to in the merch that he's designed, all that death by roll up stuff. I wonder, you know, they honestly like Brit Res has already lost uh, certain sections of fans. Girl Gang's gone. The uh, a lot of those. Uh, fans that came in in the WWE UK tournament seem to be uh, conspicuous by their absence. I honestly wonder over this year, you know, you talk about big draws in Brit Reds. I don't think he was ever a main event draw, Chris Brooks, but as far as getting people out to shows and being a reason, a good chunk of people went to Brit Res shows live. I wonder a year from now how many of those people are still into Brit Res and still going to shows. I think, I don't think we can underestimate what a big loss he's going to be from the Brit Res scene over this next year, as well as, like you said, congratulating him for blazing his own path, getting himself over and going over and doing something really interesting with DDT. He's not one of the lads uh, taking a Mark NXT UK contract in every every way. You know, I, I'm made up for him. I think it's fantastic that he's doing it and he should be applauded for, for the yep. path that he's trailed. But I do wonder, and I think, you know, he, he almost seems guilty about himself, the gap that he's going to be leaving behind going as much as I'd say it's the, the right thing for him to do. Uh, he can't be responsible for that. That's no. actually the onus relies on others learning what is he done and what's worked and how to make it work for them. Because it also has to be tied into your personality. 
was one of the central themes of the entire show mm. in terms of being actually the person that you are able to actually be the sort of real version of you. So if there's another wrestler out there who's able to kind of try and capitalize on it and kind of come up with some interesting designs and, and have that kind of sort of different view on perhaps what, what audiences aren't being served and what they do, because even as much as Tuesday night graps isn't really for any of us, it's as a concept, it, it works. And he does, he has some really valuable ideas and I do. And I think as well, there's going to be a point of the fact of when he does come back, I'm going to be more intrigued to see him wrestle. Cause I'm going to want to see what his development progressions like over That's the true. next year. Yeah. And I think that adds a kind of really unique mix to it. Like how is he going to learn and develop? If you like when Drew Parker comes back eventually, Hmm. It'll be like, well, what, what is he, you know, where is he now compared to where, where he was when he went over? Hasn't he there? just been doing death matches? I think his other stuff that he do, does okay. other than that. But I don't know. I've not followed it, but I know he was in Big oh, Japan yeah. loving the death match. Well, it's a weird thing, isn't it? They do death matches and then they're yeah, like strong style tag matches. Yeah, yeah, fucking... yeah. But he's happy and he's doing something interesting, yeah. isn't he? Like that's the, probably that's the, the, the takeaway message, isn't it? Be Chris Brooks, be... Chris Ridgway, be Drew Parker, you know, don't be what Travis Banks has turned into. Don't be, you know, a kid signing a WWE contract three years too early. Chris Brooks had that opportunity, was offered that contract, turned it down. Um, yeah, he's done his own thing yeah. and he's he's been a success over it. And it's from the outside, it looks ten times more rewarding. So hopefully we create more Chris Brooks, because yeah, I am a little bit worried about the gap he leaves behind. If, if I could bring up yeah, uh get, I can say, having lived in Enfield for a patch of time, shit. Don't worry, you're not missing anything from it. Can I also add in one weird story from Progress that I didn't oh, mention yeah. too much? Yeah, yeah. So there was a guy who met there called Mark. He was living up in Hull. He like was two years below me in school. He told me he was from Enfield. I was like, come and speak to this man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was same school. We knew the same kid. I, I was mates with a lad there. His brother got expelled for belting another lad, lad around the head with a hammer. Called JP. He was, he was also called JP. Yeah, and he hit a lad around the hammer, and he got expelled, <laughs> and he ended up moving to Ireland, back to Ireland with his mum. There you go. Interesting story. I very much doubt he's not listening to this. But yeah, we remember that story. He was like, I was like, fuck me, this is insanely small. This. He was like, yeah, when it's Saint Ignatius, like fuck off. So did I. Yeah. Very weird. So that was fun. I forgot to mention earlier. It was earlier. great watching them chat to each other. You love hearing Geezathon. Hearing stories <laughs> that I've heard JP tell from another perspective as well was like, oh. I've heard this one. Like, yeah, this was this. It was it was very entertaining. Me and Andy and Jeff Ogden were like. I think you all enjoyed that, didn't you? Uh, no, I really wish I was there. Look at all. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, uh, anything else? We're almost at the three-hour mark. We're at uh, Voices of Wrestling levels. We should probably yeah. wrap it up here, but anything to plug out it to say before we go? I'm pretty sure the Thunderstruck that I've done has come out. He's coming out within the sort of next week or so. I'm not sure if it is. I think Resident Liger expert, JP, <laughs> back in the case. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, that hopefully coming in the next couple of weeks. There's other stuff we haven't mentioned that, that have gone on as well, but that's being all saved very much for next week. So, yeah, just find me on Twitter at JPGP, three E's. Awesome. 
awesome. Find me on Twitter at Benson Richard E. Uh, download the Grapple app. Obviously, we talked heavily about Grapple and the ratings as far as Wrestle Kingdom goes. It looked like it was a, a massive weekend for the app. But I know Gareth uh, put on Twitter we had yeah. there were some issues on uh, on day one just with the pure load, unfortunately, similar to what happened with New Japan World. But they're all ironed out. So get back on there, get your ratings in. Uh, obviously, there's been developments to the app and updates uh, over the last few months. So if you've uh, yeah, load of new promotions are on there now. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say he's got Noah on there. Who else is on there, JP? Uh, Noah's on there. Stardom's on there. Beyond's on there. Big Japan is on there. Um, NWA is on there. So they're doing it just for the pay-per-views, which is what we'd we'd all yeah, pretty much tell about it. Yeah, yeah. So you do into the fire and the Crockett Cup. Uh, what else is on there? I think that's pretty much it for the new ones that have been added onto there as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty definitive at this point. Yeah, so if you haven't downloaded it already, uh, what are you doing? Get out there, download that, and look forward next week to the release of the Grapple 100. And uh, to celebrate that release on uh, on next Monday night, we'll be recording our uh, our special top ten matches of the year for 2019 with Grapple Gareth uh, on the show as well for the first time, and he'll reveal the uh, the top ten of the. Uh, grapple 100 so yeah you've got all that to look forward to again we're doing the takeover takeover on post with jamesy next sunday hmm. so look forward to that all the content but yeah we'll see you for both of those shows next week bye bye When you're searching for the best prices on tickets to sports, concerts, or live shows, you've got to download the GameTime app. Whether you're planning the perfect night out or looking for something fun at the last minute, GameTime has you covered. Score last-minute tickets for up to 60% off today. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code POD20 for $20 off your first purchase. That's code POD20 for $20 off. For the best ticket deals on sports, concerts, or live shows, download GameTime now. Terms apply. Want to show off your patriotism and love for firearms? You need to check out Goat Guns. Our authentic die-cast miniature gun replicas are a great way to celebrate your rights while adding a unique and high-quality item to your collection. They are fun to build and make a great display addition to your office, man cave, or anywhere you want to show off your collection. Start your collection today at GoatGuns.com.